0: Lights, camera, action.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Keenan Bonner and the matchup we'll be getting into this week is twenty thirteen's Prisoners versus 1987's Lethal Weapon. Keenan, how are we doing today?
0: Yeah, I'm okay, mate. How are you?
1: Not bad at all. It's been a busy week, Watched plenty of films, which we'll get into shortly. But yes, good to go. I've been looking forward to doing Prisoners, which is a double header for a Dallas villain wave. If I've still butchered that from last week, then I apologize. So uh first of all, as always. News of a week So Avatar is back at the top of box office charts 13 years later Now I was slightly skeptical as to how successful this re-release was going to be I know they probably want to do some kind of reminder to get people uh, back before the yep. sequel comes out. I went to the cinema with TK and goth on Wednesday, Tuesday mm-hmm. to watch. Don't worry, darling. The Florence Pugh, Harry Styles one.
0: Yeah.
1: was going to get a drink. Couldn't get a drink. The queue was so long. It was from the till right to the, like the back of the room. I think you've been to the Gloucester cinema once, but I don't know how much that'll I mean to you, but the queue was going from the till to the toilet. And it was all people just queuing up to see avatar. Like, it's the first time I've seen a queue in there for ages. Usually the only queues you see are a big Marvel one or that, that kind of film. So mm-hmm. I was really surprised at just how successful this is going to be.
0: I suppose that is, you say a big Marvel one. I know it's a re release, but that is, this
1: is, that's right, that's right up there on it? But this is like, this is a rewatch, isn't it? We, we, that's were running, we were a bit skeptical previously as to just how successful it was going to be in some of the interviews we've spoken about. Was kind of James Cameron. I always go to call him Jim because of the uh, entourage, by the way. <laughs> mm. um, but maybe we were preempting that maybe they thought, hmm, I'm not sure about this when they've been talking about the trouble writing the script. And yeah, look, people might not be ready for it now. It's going to be long. So if you have to go for a piss, go for a piss, et cetera. But yeah, I was really surprised at uh, just how big it was, but fair play.
0: Well, I said, no, um, but it's one of them. There's probably a lot of people who have gone to see that now who didn't get to see it in the cinema the first time around.
1: Also, do you think it's one of them where, and I can't think of an example of, maybe um, maybe the latest pop song or maybe when we were at school, like uh, the latest Justin Bieber song or whatever, where everyone quietly knew that he'd just released an anthem. But there was a phase where you couldn't say, that you thought it was an anthem or people just weren't up front about this thing's cool because they were worried about what other people would say or just can't be dealing with it. Do you think there's a lot more people that were big fans of Avatar and maybe played it down over the years? Because if you listen to people, I don't think I've spoken to anyone that's come out and said, wow, I'm so excited for the new one.
0: Oh, Uh, right. I don't know. don't know. Um, I feel like you and I made our thoughts
1: clear yeah but do you know at the time I don't think I felt that way I remember coming out of the first avatar and the 3d thing as we spoke about was a big big thing there and a big big contributing factor but I remember coming out and people talking about avatar in their favorite film lists Uh, I never I don't hear anyone saying that now is is the point I'm making
0: (laughs) yeah I didn't see it um I never saw it in the cinema so I don't know what it was like to watch on a screen
1: it was good Um,
0: I I don't know that honestly. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I thought I do think there was probably a lot of people. I do think you. It's probably the type of film that probably captures, has managed to capture a new audience. Yeah. Um, and going to see it so, like 13 years ago, probably people who didn't didn't watch it in the cinema the first time around have seen it since. Love it. Oh, let's go watch it on the cinema. Go watch it in the cinema. Like <clears throat> for like re-releases. Is it like this? Sh- oh, it pretty- can't be. But like normally, you get a re-release for like a 50th anniversary or like a 25th anniversary. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think they- no, no, no one's doing it. No, no one's, no one's doing it. Te- no one's really doing a tenure, are they? And no, I don't I think they're it- saying
1: that they've um, restored the quality or increased the quality or something. Mm. And it's just basically Roy Jones Jr. You must have forgot before we do the new one. Do you think it'll have any impact um on bringing 3D back to the masses? Because that's kind of died out, and I do wonder I if part know. of the grand scheme of things here... I hope not. Well, I think I was honest on it last time. For a while, I, if there was a 3D option, I'd watched a 3D option. But as it was... I was going to say weaponized then, which feels very strong. But as it was just used as a marketing tool, and it would be the odd little bit in 3D... Yeah,
0: that's I went what I've got away to from it.
1: It. I'd like to see the films that are made for 3D, the film, like Gravity in 3D was phenomenal, and mm. it did cover up for, do I really need to see George Clooney and Sandra Bullock in space? Would I have seen it if it wasn't 3D and IMAX and all this? And I do wonder if maybe we'll go through a phase of like just trying to create the visual masterpiece for 3D or if people just can't be bothered with it.
0: I lost a lot of in- interest, like you did, when it was. I, I sat for a. I sat for a film once. It was two hours long, and the only piece of three D in it was at the end. Yeah, it's, yeah. That's,
1: that's no good. If you are drawing me in, give me something, uh, um, Spy Kids was the big one. Do you remember? Probably about two thousand and eight ish. There was. A, it was called like My Bloody Valentine or something, and I think that may have still been a red and blue glasses job. But I remember that being a big three D when they pushed. To essentially say, look, this isn't just for kids.
0: Was that? um that was that was like about a chainsaw masker, right?
1: It is a guy in a gas mask. Um, yeah, 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 I remember that, yeah. killing people yeah. on Valentine's Day. Yeah, no, I
0: remember that. Yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. forgot. To fucking, oh, that's a bit of a throwback.
1: Yeah, um, oh. I remember watching it in in two D and yeah, shot. Yeah, well, you'd never expect it to be no. good,
0: but yeah, and no, I exactly, know, took
1: away the key aspect.
0: Yeah, I do think. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it, I, I won't say I'm more adult, but yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe there is a chance. Maybe, and there is a way to market it on. Because you think it was big for like, for sure, for, for a while, wasn't it? It wasn't like it; it weren't in the terms of like in a general terms of cinema. Yeah, it was a flash in the pan, but like in like in terms of our sort of mind and your cinema going lives, if you will, it was around for about two, three years, wasn't it? It was big.
1: Yeah, you.
0: Do you... So you think all the people who loved it then? who we were like our age, they'll be adults, no?
1: Eh? Well, you had the blockbuster releases for it, so you were getting your gravities, your life of Pi, your Avatar. And I just wonder if maybe there's something in the pipeline and they've all been kind of, look, we need to get Avatar out before we're prepared to fund again and go big with this, because mm. if you're doing it properly, it does cost more to shoot. Of course it does. Yeah, that much is true. that much is true. And maybe we just aren't as impressed by that anymore as technology's gone on. There's so much more about now they they constantly do this uh, 4DX thing now, and I've not been to see it personally. The closest experience I've had with that was the Bugs Life thing in Florida when I was in, like, year five.
0: Only I show my kids. That's what we do.
1: There you go. And I know they do the 4DX thing in Cheltenham, but I've not been to go and see it. Like, when I pay for the cinema card, I'm not paying an extra, like, seven quid to go and see... Have some tick on my legs while I must blow some air out. Like, yeah, it's not doing a lot for me, but no, I agree. I do knows? agree. Um, now I know you've not watched it, but I wondered your thoughts on series like Dharma that have just been released. There's been a big furore around this and saying that it's one thing to kind of have a documentary. It's another thing to do these dramatizations where if you're not glorifying them is the wrong word but you're turning these people into icons and it's like how many more dharma documentaries do we need how many we, we said it about ted bundy didn't we when there was Ooh. like the 15th bundy film being made and i've seen i guess because we're getting further and further in time like i've seen some of the families of dharma victims say i understand it was a very like curious case but it's like every five years we just have to have this brought back up and brought back up and brought back up. And it's almost like the fetishization of these people. And I don't know if you think it's all fair game. Like if people are going to watch it, they're going to watch it because I'm a hypocrite. I've, I'm three episodes into the Dharma one. Enjoying it? Not particularly, no, but Hmm. uh, there's enough scenes in there that kind of make you uncomfortable enough that it's kind of prompting some emotion out of you rather than me rewatching Peep Show or Two and a Half Men or something for the fifteen hundredth time.
0: Um, but uh, I don't know because you know, we never saw this. Uh, do you remember? Oh, you will remember uh, Mind Hunter. Do you know a bit about the Unabomber? Yeah, 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 You never got that. I mean, I know. I know there is obviously a difference between the real life and the fiction, but fictional serial killers have been around fucking ever. Yeah, uh, and it is it, the macabre. And that aspect of the... Like, some people, like, criminal minds. They made, they made, I think they're still making it. I think they made 17 seasons of it. Yeah. And, and fair enough. Now it's basically about serial killers. It's pretty much about it. Because the, the whole point is, you know they, that BAU never gets called in over one murder. It's basically about serial killers. Um, <laughs> People obviously have an interest in it. And whether whether it's right to, I'm not saying you should be dragging the families back through it. Yeah, fair mm-hmm. enough. I understand that. Um, but, but people obviously want to watch it and there's enough of them. I went, so I went out I went, was out Tuesday night and when did it come out? I think it was over the weekend, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. I think it was I,
0: Friday. I, I was out for two and a half hours, I've heard seven or eight conversations about it.
1: Yeah. I think the first episode, for one, I think it's a name that people recognize, but perhaps That's don't know anything thing. about. Like, People have been on TikTok and other social media saying, like, I was singing this guy's name in rap lyrics and didn't know what the hell I was singing. And they've got Evan Peters in the lead role. I don't know if you knew that. So they've got, like, a legit face. It's a big, I don't know if Netflix produced it, but they're certainly pushing it. As soon as Netflix slap you on that first face on the homepage, you're just money because whether it's shit or not, everyone is going to watch it.
0: Mm, I don't ask it. I get your point, but I don't ask it. I've... Well, it, it doesn't it, do a lot
1: It's 10 episodes long and yeah. what I need, ideally, if you want me to, to sit and watch it, is I don't do much on my lunch break. As I've said before, if I leave my office, then there's a Five Guys, there's a Nando's. I don't need those kind of temptations five mm-hmm. times a week. I need like a 45-minute episode of something on my lunch break and then I'll go have a walk around do whatever 15 minutes but they're all a bit longer and I don't know if they're it's not much longer it's like 57 minutes hour three or something like that but that's why I've not raced through it and I don't really need to see some bloke butchering people and eating them and defiling them on my lunch break as well maybe that's something to
0: yeah, um, I, I mean, people are gonna, people are gonna watch it, and like I said, they, people have obviously got an interest in it because we've seen, like you said, Bundy, this stuff's been played out now. Yeah, I mean, when they when they did, I think they did three films about him in one year, no?
1: Yeah, it was nuts. You had the big Zach Efron one, didn't see mm. it, and then there was another two with, I think, one of them had a legit face behind it. Yeah, that's
0: what I mean. And it was there, and then the next one they think it will be is the. I read that they're
1: talking about John Wayne Gacy. Well, I think a documentary about him has recently come out. Have you seen Netflix do these ones? And maybe it shows who watches more TV out of the two of us. But Netflix do these ones where seemingly for years, these killers were behind bars just with a little dictaphone, just recording about their life. Mm. And they've obviously got a hold of these tapes before anyone else. And they turn it into a two, three episode thing. And it's like hearing their own words. Yeah, the true crime shit, and they're more interesting. But net, like Netflix, Disney Plus is all true crime now.
0: Yeah, it made people love it. I do. and I saw, I do get, I get the fascination to a certain point. I, I do, but sometimes I think, fucking hell, like the world, like, without being, without being like too depressing myself. But cross me, the world, world in itself is depressing. I don't want to sit and watch about true true murders for ten hours.
1: No, and the thing with the Dharma one is, I think whenever you're recording, you're filming from the perspective of the killer, Is there's a tendency to try and explain them and perhaps Mm -hmm. we shouldn't try to explain some of these people, and so when you see things like, uh, okay, you're showing us that he had a tough life at home, his parents were always arguing, he was seeing these things and he was bullied at school, and there's millions of people in the world that were bullied at school and their parents got divorced, they didn't all go on a Uh, a murdering spree and so much more and I just think anytime these shows want you to show even an ounce of sympathy for one of these people that's where people start to people start to take an issue
0: yes and so they should because some people are just some people are just shit yeah I don't think like I think I think that's been forgotten say somewhat in this day and age uh, for different reasons but ultimately some people are just shit that's just that's just a fact and like the the problem like you say there shouldn't be a sympathetic angle to a serial killer no there was no like oh, I could be careful and I'm I only 3
1: it. episodes in but it's like there was
0: there was no from my knowledge and i know you're only 3 episodes in maybe someone can correct us later on down the line i don't I wouldn't even say it in this state but there was no there's no ideology behind it right there's no, no ideology no, no it's
1: a, it's a guy who i think um, the third episode, he's just killed someone for the first time. When it's like flashing back, mm. I think essentially he realized how easy it was. He was a loner. Um, he was struggling with his sexuality. At least I'm gonna like watch the actual documentary when it comes out, and I'll speak about this in a second because liberties are taken in these shows. But yeah, yeah I course. think it's a guy who essentially used all these things as an excuse. And once he realized how easy the police were, because they didn't want to get involved in anything that he referenced as being gay. Mm. And also it's no secret the way police have treated black people for as long as we want to talk about. So yeah. you couple the two of those in and I think the guy just could not believe how easily look. he was getting away with all of it.
0: Yeah. And, that's it. and that's it. I just makes him a cunt. There's no, no way for you to, to you need to feel sorry for him, no. but they do when you play it from that angle. Because you on the other hand, if you're making it, I don't think you can have if it's ten hours long. I a lot of people would struggle to sit through ten hours of pure evil. Yeah,
1: do you because know what I mean? People are saying like, "Oh, this is a bit out of stomach," and I said it myself, but I knew what I was getting into. But some people seem genuinely shocked that this is an uncomfortable watch.
0: For the, for reference, I think you've already said it, but didn't he kill occasionally? Um, sexually assault on. yeah, yeah, yeah. All of those okay. things. When when that's sort of when, when when you're in that vicinity, it's
1: quite hard to make it a pleasant watch. Yeah, I mean one of three is probably like pick one.
0: The, the killing thing is what it is, isn't it? Us. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The, the sexual assault, no good. Don't want that. The eating people, nah, no <laughs> yeah. less no, so yeah. depend on how on how you shoot it. But yeah I do I do think the big struggle that they I think the, the problem is, is obviously as a filmmaker or as a, as a, as a, as a sort of a program maker and a, um, people who make these things, I do think they, they have to – there has to be – unfortunately, that to get a mass audience and attract as many people as possible, they have to give these people a human element, which, quite frankly, they, they don't deserve. No. Because very few would sit through the 10 hours of the truth like where the, this bloke is just pure, pure evil.
1: Exactly. Well, also this week, <laughs> move on from that. Um, Hugh Jackman is confirmed to return as Wolverine for Deadpool 3. Mm. So they did a little video saying they were kind of going to do a FAQ and it's like one minute long where basically there's music playing over it, but they effectively just say, look, Logan is its own thing. That's set in the future. If you want to get into the nuts and bolts of it, wasn't part of the MCU and we want to have some fun putting Wolverine in there with Deadpool and as long as you're up front like that I think people would have been more offended if there was a shit Wolverine next than they would be that the MCU are skirting around the lines a bit to bring someone back in a time when we've had Charles Xavier just come back for the 19th time so
0: I was say, one of the big plot lines in the films is someone snaps their fingers and they come back <laughs> work it around that and be like oh look he died, just, he, he, he died at that exact moment It snapped his finger and it counts do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, like do, do what you want with it. You, I like, think it's the not
1: two of, the two of them have just wanted to work together for a while as well. They've teased yeah. it for a while. And the MCU now, and I will speak, I've got a question about that for you in a moment is they're probably caving into fan service more than they ever have because they're under pressure more than they ever have been. It can be your own
0: success, I
1: mean, isn't it? Well, Yeah, so the latest news with Blade is uh, oh, I was going to talk, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, uh, if I, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, uh, Ali. It's mm. said to be very frustrated with the process. The script is still only 90 pages long. It features. Is it?
0: Two... Um, Go on. Sorry, sorry to stop you. I was going to say, is it? Um, is it a film they're try, trying to make, or is it a TV show?
1: Film. No in, need. Into the MCU. It, it, it's actually unnecessary. Just leave Snipes' his
0: blade. I like it.
1: Well, to be fair, I think he said he would have come back, but I don't. I think he's got a bit much behind him now. Mm. Um. Well, I think people have kind of realised that Blade is one of the films that birthed the modern-day superhero film when you look at them now. Yeah. And so it's been on the cards for a while when you look at the fact that Marvel have the rights. Ali was in Luke Cage as one of the villains, if you recall. No, I Luke Cage. Oh, okay. He's in that. But supposedly, once he had his foot in the door, he was already on to Kevin Fage saying if you do Blade, please consider me. And so it's a passion project for him, but he's saying the script's only 90 pages long. It features just two, as they describe, lackluster action sequences. And they're just complaining that Kevin Feige is said to be spread too thin. But we don't need five Marvel films and seven Marvel shows every year. Like We'd rather have the three. Is he, is he, he the
0: only one quality. behind it? Is he one, the one behind it now?
1: I think... There's a couple that he's kind of uh, allowed other people to be involved with, and that's where some complaints have come in when they've been uh, performing poorly. So, okay,
0: yeah, well, that is just a victim of your own success, isn't it? You are right. I mean, the, the another reason for that statement, a victim of your own success, is you are right. Yeah, it would be fantastic just to have they said, look, let's say four, right. So we're gonna do January to December. We're gonna we're gonna drop a film in the spring, film in the summer, film in the not film in the winter. Throughout that as a background, we're gonna to put together this TV show, and then that's gonna around Christmas time we're gonna hit you with that bang. Right, all all, quali- all all the best quality TV show. If it's filmed, all year it might end up being your best bit because that seems t- to me for what they're putting out, that seems to be the way they're leaning in a little bit as well. Um but trying to do it all. And I mean, for some of it, mate, I'm not, they seem to be reaching into characters that.
1: <sighs> well, they, they've, they've announced films up to like 2026. Yeah. And they've got people cheering along. They put this pressure on themselves. I think they've already gone through three directors for fantastic four and they don't even have a script yet. There, there um, is
0: no, there's just let sleeping logs, let sleeping dogs lie with that one. You've tried it twice. It ain't worked.
1: They haven't tried it. In the MCU is what they'll claim. Um, What are they going to, I get your point, right? And there'll be a little
0: crossover and that'll be, oh yeah, that's cool. Nice. Yeah. Nice little nod. But at what point if they're bringing these another 75 characters into it? I get you. Like, like, what are they going to do?
1: Well, they're losing, like, they've lost their Captain America. They've lost their Black Widow. They've lost their Iron Man. And I think they're so desperate to get some of these new guys in. Like, they've got the new Captain America, but obviously not at the same level and all of these things. And then they're turning like the Hulk and I've not watched she Hulk, but I hear they've turned the Hulk into a kind of joke character. It's almost like wrestling where the popular guy goes over and you boost up this guy who's <laughs> on the way up and mm. that's just how you do it. Um But there's a lot of complaints about them leaving things to last minute and so much. They're just trying to do too much and they don't need to. uh We're fine as it was. But when there's money to be made, Keenan, uh, unfortunately, yeah, when there's
0: money going. to be made, make common sense off and fly straight out the window, don't it?
1: Exactly. Um, now, last week, I did promise that I would endure blonde after the reviews and the early headlines that we saw. I know, I know a uh, tough break for me, put myself through it. And, as the film went on, I was taking notes and I kind of found myself into it more than I expected to be. Now, I read, I guess in the day before I was going to watch it, The Blonde is, in quotation marks, a fictionalised take on the life and career of Norma Jean Mortenson, known, known to the world as Marilyn Monroe, rather than a traditional biopic. I think the first issue is that this isn't particularly well known. Like we were speaking about this last week. Mm. I don't think they screened this from the rooftops and I don't think it would have benefited them to do so.
0: Oh, I think that's why they didn't.
1: Yeah. I was worried when I went to press play on Netflix last night, I saw a near three hour <laughs> runtime yeah. and art house as a descriptor. I thought you were that guy. <laughs> no, well, you we loved a, a bit
0: of art house cinema.
1: What? As explained last week, I know very little about Marilyn Monroe other than she was objectified to a fault and had an involvement with JFK and sadly took her own life. Now, what I will say, if you are tuning in solely because you think Anna Armas is beautiful and three hours with her on screen doesn't seem like an awful thing, then maybe you'll be satisfied here. I didn't like the film. She does look great. No issue with her performance. I listened to a short comparison between their voices and there is a difference there, but I'd point to the director and say, perhaps picking a Cuban to play the role would be where those issues start. If uh, you're going to be hung up on that. If I was to say she doesn't have much to work with, you may be confused considering that she does have the best part of two hours and 47 minutes. But the issue lies with as I just mentioned, the actual direction of the film, it goes barely in depth on any of those issues that you would tune in expecting to see. It outright fictionalises several aspects of her life, including having a polyamorous relationship, multiple abortions that were never confirmed, and, moderate spoiler alert here, an entire recreation of a scenario that caused her to lose her baby while using a CGI fetus at one point that tells her please don't kill me like the last one you've got a shot that's supposed to be shot from inside her vagina for an abortion looking out at the doctors and then (laughs) craning it open I can see (laughs) you're laughing but I can see why it's been called exploitative I can see why some, yeah, I can see why some were so against it. I don't know if you've seen any of the director's comments this week when you think they'd be in pure PR mode. And he's referring to her old films as unwatchable and about well dressed whores, which maybe tells you the direction this guy took. Um, Andrew Dominic, he's quoted as saying that she had an Instagram life and everything you could need. And so why would she kill herself? He sounds like a bit of a prick. Yeah, now they had three hours to explore that, but any time you thought they were going to get into something, you have another slow-motion montage of photographers screaming for her attention. Rather than try to get inside the mind of the actress, they just used like 60 years of projection to decide why she was how she was. They gloss right over her early years in and out of foster homes, her transition from cameos and minor roles to taking on the head of the largest studio in a battle for fair pay. The film is like really desperate to be gritty and raw. And I know that's why you chuck things in black and white to do that. But then they kind of don't go the whole way. Like they leave out the names of her abusers, including her husbands like Joe DiMaggio and several others. They're just so keen to present her as this like hopeless victim that they aren't prepared to go deeper on that. They don't, they don't even touch on their, happy birthday, Mr. President thing, as you'd expect most people tuning in would be waiting to see. Mm. She calls every husband daddy, despite no reason to believe this is the truth. TikTok and other social media platforms were calling this film problematic months before it was released. Yeah. And that's probably the best way to put it. Like As brutal as it may be, it feels like a wasted opportunity. Like Her story doesn't get the insight, the answers that you think you're owed almost when you sit through three hours or that it kind of promises to provide when you read the synopsis. It's like a downward spiral is the director's dream. And we've done countless on this podcast and we enjoy them greatly. Yeah, But this one just feels like liberties have been taken. It's It's more of a take on how the director and the author of the blonde book saw her rather than like an explorative feature and
0: <laughs> from what you it certainly sounds like it's either director or what
1: the director yeah, thinks and, and, it, and it. it's an impassioned performance by her but she can't save it like I don't think any of the reviews you see have her voice alone which I don't really know what Monroe sounded like to pass judgment there hmm. she looks the part she she acts everything that I imagine is on the script I imagine that she has smashed it I know there's all the stories of her going over three months with a dialect coach doing things studying her mannerisms all of this that you would hope for it, it it's rough and I realized that about an hour in because I thought a big thing was going to be how does she deal with I guess this meteoric rise to superstardom and being objectified but really as far as you go in is her getting slapped around by her husband telling her to put some clothes on and not a lot more than that like there's more time given to her abortions which some people that really disliked her are on speaking in in this book that's saying look she had dozens and dozens of abortions but then we've heard that about celebrities before and it's usually just used to kind of smear their name
0: yeah
1: like there, there's a whole thing of how she goes to uh, lose a baby and you've got this cgi fetus being covered with blood until it's like the shot is done and it fades away it's just so it's so strange And I hadn't seen... That um,
0: seems unnecessary, by the way.
1: Yeah, I hadn't seen all of these directors' comments beforehand. And the first thing I do whenever I watch a bar pick is go and see. okay, what was truth? What was was false? What was missed out? Mm -hmm. And they hint at these things like her on the phone to the studio saying, that was what you were going to pay her. You're only going to pay me five grand compared to the hundred grand. I don't understand. I'm the main character. Yeah. But there's really not much taken from that and where you've got maybe a five-minute scene of her looking at herself topless in the mirror while she has a bloke either side saying how great she looks and then having a threesome it's odd they've got this weird scene of her giving head to JFK while he's watching a space shuttle on TV and then kicking her out and so you can see the things they were trying to get into about the men objectified earth but they kind of just skirt around the subject rather than ever diving into it so while i'm cautious when things are just described as exploitative before because you could say that for any negative bar well, pick i guess if that's how some people would sell it but this really did feel like that and i guess i didn't feel great when i finished watching it uh Ana de Armas aside, who, as I said, if that's the reason you're going in, which, as I said last week, if I'm completely honest, if this was some actress I'd never heard of, I probably wouldn't be watching it. But yeah, it was was an odd one. When you've got that much runtime to work with, to feel like nothing's really been covered in depth is a really uh, odd way to feel on the other side. Mm. Don't know if I've sold it to you to go and watch. No, you really haven't. We'll say, I told TK a lot of this, and he said he's, he's going to watch it tonight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what a surprise.
1: So we'll, we'll, we'll see how we go. Um, he did say he just wanted to clarify if uh, he would agree with my opinion, but uh, mm. and even in one Yamas, you can't say no to that. So oh, we I, go. Feel
0: like I, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to sit through three hours, I'll be honest.
1: No, you're just going to search your name on Twitter or something. Please, I'm better than that. <laughs> yeah I hope so because she said last week she'd be disgusted if that was what people took away from the film
0: well from your review I think that's what people are going to take away from the film
1: yeah she does seem because I said all that about the director she obviously read the script she isn't innocent party feels harsh but she was aware of the film she was making so mm-hmm. look at it there but I guess maybe it's the role that she felt she wanted to play. She felt she could do it justice. And I'm confident she'll be uh, nominated for some kind of award. But it feels like if the film was about analysing the way this woman was treated by the media and the general public, the film almost just feels like an extension of that treatment rather than yeah, an analysis it, of
0: it. basically sounds like, obviously figuratively, but it just sounds like they're kicking the fuck out of it for three hours.
1: Yeah, that that's how it looks as well. Uh, okay. Literally and figuratively, but anyway, yeah. I think that's the longest news of the week we've ever done. So we'll get straight in, and we will get into our first film of the day. Detective Loki, I'm gonna find your daughters. Dad, there's this RV, and they were playing on it. An RV was reported
0: matching the description. Show me your hands.
1: Well, this thing's clean. Don't okay. toss. Arrested. He said he took
0: them. Make it stop. The girls are still out there somewhere. Every day, she's wondering why I'm not there. Me, not you, but me! What in the world did you do? Rated
1: R. There we go. Prisoners. The synopsis. When Keller Dover's daughter and her friend go missing, he takes matters into his own hands as the police pursue multiple leads and the pressure mounts. What do you think... The critics thought of this.
0: I got nominated for an Oscar, so it's going to be
1: all good. (laughs) Um, Prisoners offers some slick foreboding, crafty twists and a satisfying ending. Filmed like a horror film and with a mood to match, Prisoners is haunting and will stick with you. There is a level of bleakness to Villain Wave's film that one usually only sees in the film cultures of Japan and South Korea. A willingness to take a narrative one step further than its audience might be comfortable taking. The film's real powerhouse performance may very well come from Jake Gyllenhaal.
0: That I do agree with.
1: And finally, stuffed to the gills with child abduction, over medicated depression, and familial implosions. Director Dennis Villeneuve's waves bloated Done is a puppy suicide away from the most joyless way to spend well over two hours. <laughs> nice. So there we go. Um, the trivia, I will take you through. Do you want to start with the casting? Yeah. So Ryan Gosling auditioned for the role of Detective Loki, which later went to Jake Gyllenhaal. Um And Gyllenhaal had the benefit of working with Villain Wave previously, and him and Gosling consider themselves to be professional rivals as they often audition for the same roles. I can see that. Obviously, Hall gets the role. Villain Wave then casts Gos- Gosling in Blade Runner 2049, four years mm. later. <clears throat> Originally, Mark Wahlberg and Christian Bale were set to star with Brian Singer directing, but the two actors opted to make The Fighter instead. Hmm. Interesting. Which way around are we doing that? Christian Bale in the Jackman role, Wahlberg in the Hall role? I think so, yeah. Yeah, agreed. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio was attached to the project for a long time, but he dropped out. Hugh Jackman was attached to star with Antoine Fuqua directing, but both dropped out. After several years in development, Jackman returned in the lead role. Got to imagine that's a very different role, probably more of a closer to the Taken style of father getting his daughter back than what we see here. Possibly. And finally, Jessica Chastain was rumoured for a role. Do you think she would have been more likely to play uh, Molly, I think her name is, Alex Jones's uh, aunt, or... Holly, the or the mother?
0: No, she would have played Holly.
1: I think such She that was too small of a role. I mean, or maybe they would have fleshed it out for her. It's fairly pivotal, though.
0: Yeah, just sure. I mean, some some would argue the most pivotal um, in terms or the of mother. the story. No, no, she would have played Holly, the auntie.
1: Is her name Holly? Okay, that, well, that's who I was ask, asking. Yeah, there we go. That's who I was asking if she was going to play. I thought you were saying that she would play uh, Grace, the mother. Yeah, I said Holly. Yeah, I thought that was the mother's name, so nah, we got caught nah. in a big circle there. We were, We got caught where I, <laughs> I, I knew what I was talking about, and you didn't, yeah. yeah the the mother, story. do you recognise that she's in another film we've done in this bracket? One of your uh, favourites? No. A history of violence? The staircase? Oh fucking Jesus.
0: <laughs> she's about, as bad, she's about as bad in this as
1: bad in this as she was in that. Fly me. That is disrespectful. Is it? Yeah, I thought she's I thought she does quite a good job in this. No. Oh, each their own. Um so the runtime, two and a half hours long. According to screenwriter Aaron Guzikowski, he says the original cut of the film was three hours and they cut it back
0: knowing what I know now, if you'd have told me this was three hours long, I just wouldn't have
1: watched it. <laughs> we'll get to that. Cause I am still very hurt by that. Um, I was going to say, so I guess a lot of the points we're making, you can shake your head, but maybe say, yep, alongside, um, the ability to maintain the tension and dread they do for two and a half hours is really a pivotal part of this film. Um, And it could have been worse. The first time it was submitted to the MPAA, it received an NC-17 rating due to its tone and subject matter. The film's torture scene were cut by a couple of frames, along with scenes suggesting a different kind of abuse for the children.
0: Yeah, I'm quite glad they
1: took, took marriage, to be honest. That or a puppy suicide, if you had to put one in the film. What, child abuse or a puppy suicide? Yeah. Get rid of the dog. Well, I would say so too, but as we've said, a lot of people don't, don't necessarily agree with that.
0: Yeah, and it's, it was it's as wild now as it was back then. It's fucking ridiculous.
1: Well, Dennis Villain Wave, I've said his name more this week, probably than last week already, but it's fair to compare this and Sicario as they do a lot of things similarly and a lot of the same kind of ideals. I thought the fact there's no opening credits for this, just a title card and then a deer being shot with the Lord's Prayer was quite a powerful way to start the film. And really, just to show you, it was going to be quite an unflinching two and a half hours and really put faith at the heart of the film.
0: Do you know the strange thing? You know, we're talking about animals like animal dying in films and people getting upset. But no one battled an eyelid at a deer getting shot.
1: Well, it goes two ways, doesn't it? Because usually this scene is either how far they're getting his son to do it, to say how proud they are. Or it's a, it's usually used as a way of showing that a kid's a pussy when really maybe he just doesn't want to kill a deer. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. That he's done very often. I'm always saying a the kid's completely reasonable. <laughs> you shove the gun in mine, and be like, yeah, shoot a deer. I'm 27. i <laughs> to be like, no, I'm okay. Leave it alone. Lay it be. What's it doing? It ain't doing nothing to me.
1: No, and then from that opening... They go home, and they kind of set it out as the classic small town. everyone knows everyone. We can walk across to our friend's house We're almost detached from the world as it is, and we're just in our own lovely little zone. um I actually wrote down my first issue here. They get to Franklin's house and he comes barreling out of uh, to the front door and he says, "Come on, come on, the game's already started. What are you doing?" why is nobody in American films or in films in general nobody's ever watching the game they treat this like it's a meal and he can't Mm. start without him you could be sat watching said game and call him in like if you're late that's your problem you know where I live enough you can come straight through rush through to get and sit and watch the game with me what the hell is he playing at
0: yeah I know you know what time it starts get her on time (laughs) is more of a big issue (laughs) well
1: probably um very far down the list in terms of issues but when i've been watching two and a half men recently i realized they've got like nfl on when someone's about to say they're off to work and alan's leaving while charlie and jake are betting on it Hmm. it it's only recently dawned on me like could you not at least just say it's a bit later in the day Yeah.
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: um now we get an abduction without an abduction so to say we They fill us with dread when they go on the walk kids are out of order by the way, just trying to bang their like block of ice on this r v <laughs> which they go back to do again a second mm. time. but something we commented on last week with the torture scenes, and we get it in this one, I guess as well is the director very rarely gives us um like gratification shots in this film. Mm. Like where we get to see the real conclusion to a particular scene, yeah. like we don't see the two girls get abducted, we just see a small build up to it eerie shots of the r v then playing on it, and you get this right the way through the film and do you think if you're trying to build suspense, it is sometimes better to let us do the work because we may be turned off by something you put on it's It's maybe better if you want to fill the whole audience, let each person there create their own idea of what's happening.
0: Uh, yes yes it is um i mean <clears throat> uh yeah it, it I, I think i think that's that's that depends on the shot you're trying to show or what 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 it is you're trying to get people to imagine so in like in this instance if you go in and you've got jobs you get the scene later on where your man breaks into the house yeah if they pull that back one and you see him snatching the kid up
1: the, the kids
0: plural up for you do you think that improves it at all
1: well, no, it does ruin the whole who done it aspect of it as well, doesn't it? Which is a big. Part well, no, because you don't have
0: to show the, you don't necessarily show a face. Do you show a guy in the film. Okay,
1: cook? yeah, I get you. Yeah, um, I quite like it the way it is. To be so honest, do I. Because... no, so the way, I, I'm not. I was asking a I was asking, yeah, because, because sure you still are. have like the parents are questioning, aren't they? Maybe yes. they just ran away, and sometimes they'll do this in films where you you fake us out a bit, so they're looking for someone the first time, and they pop and go, what, what, why are you calling me? Like, what's the issue? And yeah. then.
0: They actually do that in this, by the way. Do they? Not with, not with them. They do it with the older sister.
1: Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, yes, I get you. Yeah, later on in the film. Mm-hmm. But with, Yeah, with this, do we need to see uh, another scene with kids getting kidnapped? Light? It's probably...
0: I think, I don't, yes. It's I, not I, I, eerier I don't to leave I it I this way. I, I, I don't think you need to see it outright. Because so
1: little little of this film, which feels weird to say, is actually about the act of violence itself. It's about the choice to do it. And we aren't supposed to comprehend why someone would snatch a kid because we already know that's a fairly black and white choice. Later in the film, a lot of the choices that are made, it's supposed to create some kind of conflict with you. And they're the ones they actually let you see. So I think it's a good way to start it.
0: Yeah, fair enough.
1: I mentioned last week the shots of the silhouettes in the desert in Sicario. Yeah. It's Roger Deakins again in this one, and just looking through his IMDB, if you go and take a look after the cinematography he does, he's worked with the Coen brothers usually. He did um No Country for Old Men as well as this, Sicario. Um, the scenes of the torture, and we'll get onto those, but there's a shot with um, Paul Dano's eye that you just see through the crack in the shower. It's so disturbing with the blood on his face and everything. It's just a really great link up. Like maybe if the Coens weren't around, these two would be making as many films as those two have together. It just seems there's a good chemistry between the two of them.
0: Yeah, fair fair enough.
1: Because the scene where Loki is driving Anna to the emergency room. It's
0: great, great, great
1: scene in most films you would usually like they're saved the flashing lights and we almost get like a blur yeah, to I the hospital that. it genuinely did feel like he could crash the car at any moment in this one the
0: first it's not first person but did you ever play, did you ever play like need for speed as a kid yeah yeah they used to have a camera mode like that where you'd look through the car and they used to have one where you would like be the, your camera view would be from like the front right tire of the car <laughs> I and it used to it used to like used to put you on the edge of the seat and it does do that it does when you take away when you looking out and looking directly out at that close but as he hits a break and, and you sort of see it move and it is is very really well shot
1: Yes. Yeah, it's, it's it's unbelievable um, the scene uh, sorry that was going over the same ground Hugh Jackman before we mentioned Jake Hall, juggernaut performance from him. Um, This and Logan, I would say for me are his best roles. And there's a tendency to almost write off superhero roles, but I do think Logan, as we spoke about when we did it on the podcast, is somewhat of an outlier from your typical superhero film. Um, but in this, I think it's, it's such a simple character he plays. It's effectively what you would usually put in films is this kind of classic, rugged American like my house this this is my property I've got my family here and this is what I need to protect and what his opening lines in the film after the deer scene is him saying pray for the best prepare for the worst people turn on each other in times of conflict and all of this and he's a guy who's living on the edge but there's no decision he makes in this that there isn't at least some person in the audience relating to and going, I should do that or I would do that. Because the idea of I should protect my family is a fairly simple one. And that's literally the only real information we get about this guy's beliefs is just he will do anything to protect his family. Yeah. But isn't that,
0: that sort of has to be the point, doesn't it? yeah if you if you can't resonate with his actions you don't you're not going to care that much are you?
1: it doesn't feel like Hugh Jackman's trying to do too much either because you can easily play this role and you can feel like an action hero or even and again very different films but I'm just quoting a father looking for his daughter and I know your thoughts I'm taken actually but even when Liam Neeson isn't saying a punchline in Taken, it sounds like a punchline, doesn't it? With just the pauses in his breath and everything about it. It doesn't feel like that with this. It does just feel like a guy that, slowly. That, that,
0: that, by the way, was essentially my criticism, and you
1: slaughtered me for it. Well, because I don't see it as an issue in that film. I think that's literally what that film's supposed to be. I think that film is Damn. kind of the modern-day version of your... Steven Seagal, Van Damme. I'm going to work my way through a hundred people that I shouldn't be able to work my way through.
0: That was my. That was actually my whole criticism. You
1: actually, you said it felt like one of the longest films you'd ever seen. <laughs> yeah, re-watch, rewatching it for about the fifth time, it really did. <laughs> but we'd done some long films. I think we'd done Avatar and Master and Commander by that point.
0: Master and Commander, I was at. You know the answer to Master and Commander.
1: I think I was the only one that watched it that, that week. Yeah, you I know for a actually, fact so
0: there is a Master and Commander that I, 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 I was having no part of it.
1: I never actually shared that episode online. I did. I didn't want anyone to listen to it. What, the Master and Commander one, yeah, I would never shared it. It, um, it was a mean, lot it's fun. online. It was a lot of fun though. It's on, but I think you had been ill. I'm going to say I had. Yeah. I think I shared it online just so there was the continuity of episodes, and maybe this will make people go back and listen to it. But yeah, it wasn't much enthusiasm there. No. Um, no, I, I, it's only been, in our
0: 150-odd episodes, there's only been a couple of times, I think, that, that we've, like, when there's more than two of us anyway, we're all, like, we've said, like, unanimously just disliked the film. Yeah. Which is a shame, because we've gone out for Russell Crowe a few times.
1: We have. Um, I think we actually may have Goth joining us next week in maybe he'll share a different view to us and uh, we'll gang up the other way around. Maybe. Um, Performance here with Jackman. Some of those other guys mentioned, I think Christian Bale could have done this job. I do think it's a hard one to do to not feel performative in this role. And the very gradual, like you see the hope slip away from him and you see him putting on a front and all of this kind of going in this slow decline as things tick away. And he's not playing it like a psychopath. He's not playing it like someone who's going through a descent into the psychotic, into being crazy. It does just feel like a man who's contemplating what he's going to have to do to get his daughter back, because as he says several times, I should be protecting it.
0: Um, it it does. There are. There are moments, however, and I think realise there sort of by design. But there are there are moments where this the slip is. You said, said not a slip. I would argue there are moments where he's slipping, at least.
1: So if I tell uh, you what some of the critique is, and do you want to tell me if you agree with it?
0: Yeah, go on, go on.
1: So some people say once you've got past the hour mark, you kind of don't need to hear him shouting anymore. It's kind of lost the effect by that is a, that the is he's
0: doing it. By the time he screams at uh, screams at all in the car, I don't need to hear him shout anymore.
1: Do you have an issue with that scene though? Because I feel like that is kind of the point where his frustrations and the pressure has got to him maybe more than any point in the film.
0: I, I actually think that's where he's at his worst in the film. And I know you're not
1: going to like that. Well, I'm I'm interested as to not that
0: my, I don't mean I don't mean the character. I actually mean Hugh Jackman.
1: Yeah. So so, so do you think he's playing it more dreary and kind of sinking away into not laziness but apathy. Yeah, like losing hope to the point. But yeah, I think it's and it
0: sounds ridiculous. It does sound stupid to say, but this is the wonderful thing about opinions. Um, it sounds possibly stupid to say, given that what they're talking about and what the film is about. But I think that's the w- one point in the film where he possibly pushes it to overacted. And it just it it when I was watching it last night, legitimately, it took me somewhat away from the film.
1: Do you think it's too loud? Is that so? So if he says the same lines, if he's banging the car, or is he? if you with Gyllenhaal Hall in this scene as well? Because he doesn't do too much.
0: No, I I think I actually think Jay Gyllenhaal is a redeeming quality in the film. Uh, in the film. So oh, you dislike do? it that much? No, no, no. Sorry, no, I did. I miss. I thought miss, you
1: just kind of felt. Okay no, about
0: no. It. He's a he's a re- redeeming. He, I mean he is the redeeming quality in the film yeah. but for different reasons um but in that scene he is the better part but I think he plays it very well, but I wonder if that was developed through takes where Jackman where Hugh Jackman made a decision on going big because if if they both go big there, I think it becomes farcical
1: yeah almost any time that Jackman goes big, Jill Gyllenhaal... and Kind of steps back, and you get yeah. it in. There's the scene when he goes into the police station, and they're going through the items of clothing, mm-hmm. and he yeah. spots the item that is his daughter's, yeah. and he bangs a table, doesn't he? And he says, "You did this. You shouldn't have been following me. You did this." Yeah. And Gyllenhaal. Hall, and I think that's the best. I think that's how you would react in that moment, not to. I
0: think. Uh, I think I'm in mean, touch with, but I think the same in the car as well. I don't think he can't shout shouting and screaming back, he has to keep he has to keep his head.
1: If we cross over into speaking about Gilan Hall here as well, because I think it's interesting when you look at how really dreary this film is and you can see the usual film noir tags and all these. The first thing we hear about Detective Loki is that he's never failed to solve a case. Mm. Does that seem strange to you in a film where Really, everything is looked at in such a negative outlet, and it's supposed to be so gritty and so real that so that's almost like something you would hear in like a Sherlock Holmes film. Like mm-hmm. he's never solved the case. This is a guy you want on, and they do it in, say like Poirot and all of this. Do you think that's a weird thing that that's included in this, or does that add to his character that he struggles then so much?
0: Well, that's I think that's obviously the point of it. It's another way of dragging you along, and Willie won't it. Um, I I don't know. I mean, in terms of a story, I think there has got to be some questions asked about how they're getting away with this for twenty six years. I'm not <laughs> sure what the I'm not sure what the other copies are doing for 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 a quarter of a century. Um, your man solves it fairly quickly, as well.
1: Once he gets all the parts, yeah, yeah. But I mean,
0: he he puts them together quite quick.
1: I'll ask you this. Who do you think we're supposed to root for in the film or do you think it changes?
0: I mean, ultimately, ultimately you're supposed to root for Hugh Jackman, but for me, it's this for Jake Gyllenhaal.
1: Because there's the point, isn't there? The first time Gyllenhaal comes to the house and initially he's just speaking with the wife and then Jackman uh, Keller comes home and he's doing the thing of look I understand where you're coming from you have to let us do our job we're considering all possibilities I hear what you're saying we're not crossing anyone off the list and I think he's supposed to come across quite irritating in that scene he's supposed to come across quite smug maybe he thinks the case is going to be far easier at this point but I think we're certainly supposed to be siding quite clearly with Keller at this point understandably his daughter's just been kidnapped But although this guy is the guy that's trying to help, I think it plays on the inherent distrust that people have with the police. And then I think the next scene is they let him go because he says in this scene, doesn't he? Just don't let him go. And he says, let me do my job, blah, blah, blah. And then the police chief declines him saying he wants to keep him for an extra day and he lets him go. And I wonder if maybe we're supposed to look at him differently throughout the film, or if we're supposed to maybe feel the same way about Loki the whole way through, kind of we know this is a good guy, but
2: mm.
0: hey, well, I, he ends up I, he ends up being the hero of the story also. Does.
1: yeah.
0: Um, and I think he's actually so set up. I think it's set up that way because for everything and for everything else, the bloke just does his job. Yeah. He keeps working, keeps moving. He gets blamed for this. He gets blamed by, by the by captain, tells him to fuck his sorrows, which yeah. is quite funny. Uh, he gets blamed by the by the dad. The mum's obviously not feeling it for obvious reasons. But he's yes. played out. He does it. He follows the, he follows his process. He puts the clues together. And for all the rest of the film, is a thriller. It's dreary. It's this. It's a police procedural. At the end of the day,
1: I I read something that said the biggest props they can give to Gyllenhaal here is that they imagine that when you read this script for the first time, Loki comes across as quite an uninteresting, uninspiring character. And so what he's done with the role then is even more impressive.
0: I would disagree. But that's just... Because a lot of the
1: tattoos and the ticks and things is something that he added to the character. They weren't in the script.
0: Did the tattoos do a lot for you?
1: Well, I think they're supposed to play into the kind of masonry symbolism side of it that is never truly explained, but is just to show us that this guy is more than just a straight-laced cop.
0: Yeah, it uh, it doesn't, they they didn't, it doesn't
1: add, it it didn't add anything to me. For me, I liked his um, constant kind of weariness, Um, like he he looks tired from the start. We get a scene of him kind of flirting with the waitress in this Chinese restaurant. And then after that, once the case is opened, he's just constantly rubbing his eyes. He's kind of like stretching his back out. He just never really looks comfortable. He, he wears one different shirt the entire film. Um, and I think the whole thing is just to show you that it does affect more than just the people that you see, I guess, is the front of this as the parents. Um, I think we're supposed to be frustrated with him but never resent him. Like Ultimately, we want both him and Keller to win, and I think that's why you get the ending you do, which we'll speak about shortly. But yeah, I think the, the only moment we're really frustrated with him is uh, in the house when he's trying to play it down. I mean, but, are we frustrated no, no, with him? Which is, with which is an odd frustration,
0: which is an odd frustration, one, like, because... That's
1: exactly what you should be doing. I think it's the, I any time someone is going through a situation that you couldn't possibly understand, then telling someone, I understand, is something that turns us off a little bit. Because oh, I don't know if you've ever been on the phone to customer service and they tell you the understanding. Like, well, you don't. You really don't understand this particular situation because you're on the other side of it. It seems slightly reductive. Um we see him start to put the pieces together when he discovers the body at the priest's house. Yeah. And we see him having to do this, I guess, everyday police work, but it's not just as simple as a jigsaw puzzle, that everything just slots into place nicely. I yeah. thought there was some foreshadowing going on when he jumps down into the cellar. No, oh, yeah, nice, nice. And for a while, I think, in the film, you wonder... What what was the point of that? And then obviously it, it comes together quite yes. nicely. Well,
0: for the for the longest time, I wonder what the fuck the point was. The in the priest, like obviously, that's what I mean. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it it's
1: Someone's been kidnapped. You look through all the paedophile sex offenders in the area, and it just takes you pretty stereotypically getting the priest involved. But there you go, and uh, jump straight down. The guy, mm. the guys, the guys had a drink. Is that allowed, by the way? Can we kick down your door if you're drunk? Uh, don't know. Small town America might be different. I understand he says he thinks he could be dead, but you know in um, Seven, which I mm. think is a good comparison for this film, in Seven where they find his apartment, but they're like, well, we can't say anything about this because we shouldn't have been here.
0: There are. There is uh, such a thing as exigent circumstances.
1: And he's uh, employing those. An exigent circumstance, I believe, is if you're a copper. Um If
0: say if you, if I'm trying to rescue you, I think you're it all. I can make a reasonable case that you'll be you're somewhere. I burst in. Sounds like you ain't there, but there's yeah. loads of the drugs, drugs and guns. I can seize the drugs and guns because I've stumbled across them due to a threat, a threat to life, basically.
1: Um,
0: or, like you say, someone might be
1: He does this film a year before Nightcrawler. Do you think he's basically
0: he, the same character? Mate.
1: You think is, that, do you, is a bit more eccentric, isn't it? Basically, plays it the same way.
0: Take away, take away his gun and his badge, give him a camera, and he plays it in a very similar way.
1: I think he's a lot. If you had a dial and it was, and on one side it was charming, and in on one side it was creepy. Yeah, I it, think yeah. It's, it's turned more towards charming in this, and obviously it's like full scale creepy in Nightcrawler.
0: <laughs> yeah, but there are remarkable similarities between the two.
1: I think um it's a better degradation in this than it is in Nightcrawler because he does start as, I'm the guy that solves all the cases. I know what to do. I get the suspects here when he chases him down in yeah. the RV and he's pointing everyone, you do this, you do this. And then by the end of it, when he has this moment where his suspect has just died at his hands because this case has even got to him, And he has the moment where he's slamming the desk, the keys are flying everywhere. Hair is out of place for the first time in the film. And I think that's his, that's his nightcrawler moment I wrote down at the time. And I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of channeled that, as you said, a year later. Yeah, very possible.
0: Like I said, there are some, certainly some striking similarities between the two.
1: Any issue in then that being the moment where he notices a resemblance between one of Taylor's mazes and a necklace belonging to the corpse in the dun basement, just it kind of falling on the ground as he chucks it off his desk and he looks down and he can see the comparison.
0: Um Yes. I did take issue with it, but my I couldn't I don't know how else you were gonna find it. Because at that point the case is fizzling. Which, yeah. do, do, you, do you want? Do I want ten minutes of him re- looking through case files and having a couple of whiskers? Not that's, really. That's
1: Zodiac, isn't
0: it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or do, I don't, and I don't really want a three-second, like thirty-second scene of him doing the same one sip. He flicks a page, and it's there. The outburst is. The outburst is understandable, and probably, and to be honest, in all ill truth, it probably endears people towards him. Yeah. To see the impact the case has had on him be it for a selfish reason, be it for a non-selfish
1: reason. That's a long week, by the way, when we do Zodiac.
0: No, I'm away that week.
1: You're not. You're away um, for kick and hot fuzz, <laughs> which is the reason uh, I've already uh, got golf on board there for you.
0: No, it's not will be the 28th of October, you know that, don't you?
1: I, I don't, but I guess we do now. I thought that may actually be the date we're doing it. Um, maybe I'll do a Halloween special that week. Not sure. Um, talking out loud. If we could talk about Paul Dano here. He's great in this. Uh, well, when the casting for the Batman was released and I saw any kind of questions about him as the Riddler, anyone I could tell, I was like, go and watch Prisoners, go and watch Prisoners, because you can see the way he's going to play it. And you've seen Batman yet or not? No, are they
0: not two very different characters?
1: Um, so you can see the kind of... Uh, the mannerisms of... I guess it's the character of, if this guy was actually the one behind it. And yeah, able to it the, the Riddler is,
0: and this is no, I, I don't know how I can say, the Riddler isn't isn't developmentally develop disabled.
1: No, but he's, he plays it from the same way of, uh, I'm not intimidating that doesn't work on me because I'm under no illusions that you could physically harm me, this and that. Just he has that aura around him and he carries that into Riddler and the way he speaks or very softly. You, If you see or you read the way the Riddler's played, I think you could picture it just by seeing this film.
0: Okay, fair enough. I won't won't pass judgment because no, I I haven't seen the Batman.
1: Now, if poor handwriting is a sign of low IQ, as they say, I am screwed. And that was my, yeah, means, my means big to. take. Really? What, I've, my handwriting? I always assumed you'd have really neat handwriting. Actually, borderline feminine handwriting. Not Why? I don't know. I feel like I've seen your handwriting before and I thought it was quite neat. My handwriting is hideous, mate. Maybe that says more about my handwriting. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's awful. Um, um, yeah, he's, he's brilliant in this. And I think... I know your thoughts on Hugh Jackman. My take: I think everyone does their job perfectly in this film. It's a great ensemble cast, but the moment he says they didn't start crying till I left
2: mm.
1: is like a. As an audience, I'm being in a cinema and almost questioning if you heard that correctly because it's just so well done. It's it's the perfect volume and. The sound on this, I actually think, is really good the whole way through in terms of the mixing. But the way he says it is the the perfect volume for it to just be loud enough. And that one line essentially drives you for the the, right until the conclusion of the film.
0: Hmm. It does, yeah. No, I think I I, I would. uh, He probably it probably goes him. Jake, do you don't know Hugh Jackman? Really, I think I do think he's brilliant in this. Um, even just like the scene where they're in where he's initially in the bathroom and they're just beating the shit out of him. Yeah. There's a little bit of his hand where he goes to hold it on. He goes to go, He puts it on top of the tap, and obviously he threatens to hit him with the hammer. Yeah. There's one if you like when he hits the the sink for the first time, the way he grabs back at the tap and then he gets pulled. It's little bits little bits of movement because what the Without being, he obviously he can't do a lot verbally. So, I mean, no. that's pretty much the old point. If he could, if he sat away chatting to Hugh Jackman a couple of times after he banged you in the face, you'd be like, "Look, mate, this is a crack." he, he he's not got that mental fortitude. But it's so the lot with with what he's done and the way he moved the body language, the facial expressions, I do think he, he almost steals. It's almost for he's your Benicio del Toro in this. Yeah. 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 The last week, which
1: they
0: they're obviously one is or one is quite clearly from a power of strength. One is meant to be from a power of position of weakness. Yeah. Um, but, the, but that's what it's supposed to be. The person who's given the least makes the most, but is given the least of that.
1: Cause, cause by the ending, she says, I think you should know Alex never laid a hand on those girls. The only one is to take them for a ride in the camper. I was the one who decided they should stay. So mm. that explains that they didn't start crying until I left part. Yeah. Um, Dano said in an interview on the Katie show that Hugh Jackman hitting the wall was unscripted and the director decided to put it in the final cut of the film. So when that hammer goes in the wall, he did Mm. genuinely shit himself.
0: I fucking bet he did. (laughs) If for no no other reason, the noise would be absolutely awful.
1: My actual only issue with this, um, with this film is there's a shot in this scene And I think it's when he's holding onto the glass and he drops it. And then his hand slides down the wall and you have this trail of blood that's left Mm. behind. When I did media studies in 20, in year 12, sorry.
0: Shot You dropped that in again.
1: (sighs) Well, the first task we had, no, the second, it was year 13, actually. Sorry. We had to do the opening scene of a horror film. Now, almost every scene you saw across had a thing where someone would soak their hand in some like ketchup or food coloring or something and you would drag it down. And the year before we did trailers. And so you saw that exact thing again. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw that in this film, I thought, Oh, if we were doing that, then that's probably not, <laughs> probably you could have done something a bit more creative than that.
0: That's they a it a perfect. lot better. I should add that's a very personal
1: issue. Well, no, I think it's a thing you've seen in horror films right through time in the, someone leaves it, but like someone is maybe there on a tree that, and then they, they go past it. The camera stays still and there's some prints left behind. Hmm. But I get the point. It's a, it's a very minor criticism, as you say, and a very personal one. Um, this whole storyline in the film, isn't it? It's really what drives it. And it's supposed to make us ask some internal questions as to whether Keller is doing the right thing.
0: Um, did you, were you ever under the impression that he was responsible?
1: Now it's one of those, isn't it? Where. Obviously, everything points towards he is, but the fact it's a film and the fact they're going this far does always make you think there's more than meets the eye here.
0: Because I didn't ever think it was going to be him.
1: No, I think
0: I can't tell you why, but maybe it's the maybe it's like the like the fact that he's like a child. He was from the first scene, the man when he gets lifted, you know, obviously huge actions after him. I saw the police station. I was thinking this um I was thinking this yesterday, my dad used to say it to me all the time when we were watching like my man used to you presume know, he still does, but he used to love um a police like police procedure police shows on t v yeah, so do I. I I really do like books and stuff there used to be a thing law and order were. law and order were uh, were, were were particularly like were particularly big on it the moment he got arrested. I know he's not the guy. Yeah, I get you. Because there's 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 two hours fifteen left. You're not the guy. It's not going to happen. And like, I'm sure I can't remember examples where that's been wrong. And they've they like the whole thing is they arrest him, let him go, come back. (laughs) Yeah. They they lift him again because they they find it. Right. I'm sure there must be cases of it, but as soon as he got arrested, I say he's not the guy. So what I didn't know, obviously, that I didn't know that after Hugh Jackman assaulted him the first time, he was going to come back and he was going to, he was going to kidnap him and that, all that. That Usually, sort of stuff was going to go on. But I was like, ah, oh, he's not the guy. So when he's beating the shit out of him, I was yeah. just like, ah, oh, man, he's not the guy.
1: Usually if they do it, um, you've actually seen that they are the villain before and it's kind yeah, of... Yeah, yeah. The how smart they are, they're evading the police. Yeah. I, but, yeah. I, similar um, analogy... I remember when we were younger watching Rocky with my mum and her saying, Who do you think's going to win then? And I thought, "Mm." My my brother saying, Rocky. My mum going, Oh, we'll have to wait and see. And I thought, Well, I know now. (laughs) (laughs) Do we need to watch the rest of the film? Yeah, you don't like Rocky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the first time you just assume he's going to win, don't you? And then as yeah. soon as that was said, it just put the idea in my mind that okay, maybe he's not going to
0: win. Yeah, but like genuinely, I thought about it. I thought about it, and I was like, yeah, well, I now know no, you're not the guy.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, it's like uh, yeah, and there's but there's it used to be another one as well, and there, there was a part of me that thought it was going to be the priest because well, as the longer the film went on, even though he'd been like they'd nicked him, he was going to have a bigger part in it. Yeah. Which, in fairness, he does because if it, to be honest. If he doesn't kill, if he yeah. don't kill your man, it might be an easy. It might, it might be an easier solve. You never. Know. Well, Alex would be dead. Well, yeah, that's true. I suppose, but that's, that's so it does Alex- do well. If if Alex is dead, the kids might not even get arrested. So the priest is well, going bang in trouble here.
1: I actually, I always thought there was just more to it. So I, I didn't necessarily think he was innocent, but I thought there was clearly more to it. Now I do think you're supposed to be giving the impression that he's not quite as slow as he lets on. Like it does come across like he was taunting Keller in the parking lot. The dog scene shows that he has a twisted mind, in that he picks it up, he suffocates it. And I don't,
0: I didn't think that. I didn't necessarily think of that as twisted. That was more Lenny and of most of men for me.
1: And the fact that he just happens to start singing that jingle bell song right after he looks over his shoulder and sees Keller's truck. Mm. I thought there was a lot to it that they were supposed to be at least point in that direction that that he had...
0: That that bit's happened after I've already ruled him out, mind.
1: Okay. I think a question is, what exactly is the film trying to say about all this? Like, Are they saying that torture is always morally culpable and never elicits anything of any real note? Are they doing the Zero Dark Thirty dirty work that gets results is okay? Is there... There's, there's some kind of uh, ambiguity about whether righteous violence is okay in prisoners. and I don't actually think we're supposed to make up our mind about how we feel about it uh,
0: I think you are and you, I realize... so you think
1: we're supposed to want Keller to stop? No I. I we are supposed to be saying carry on
0: I think the, the overarching message of it is it, it like do what you, you have to do. Yeah, you could have like in you could have had this as you talk about Antoine Foucault and you talk about Taken. Say if it's Antoine Fuqua, <laughs> it's the exact same film, you change the director, you put a poster out that says, "What would one man do to protect his family?" Or how far would you go for your daughter? Bank guarantee and um, people are because I think it's, the family is the overarching is, is the overarching method. The loss of a family, the loss of a family unit, causes all of this, not all of this shit, right? The, and how yeah. important family is. What the loss of, what the loss of, what the loss of a family drove two people, and then by extension one person to do. If it's that that causes, it essentially causes this all in the first place. That the, that then he would go to such lengths becomes understandable. And I realise that that only links at the end of the film when you get the towards the end, say, oh my son died, and so I, but that is essentially what it is.
1: I thought the point it took a turn was when he creates this kind of shower trap where
0: I thought I was ingenious,
1: Like, but just the sheer fact he's building something, it all feels a lot more, Ugh, Like, I'm I'm going to beat, I'm going to beat the truth out of you here. And I know the point is that hasn't worked. So we have to take it up a notch, but it almost, and I think intentionally takes Keller's character to another level because this isn't just a, in between at this point,
0: in between that happening, you have scenes where they talk about time. They talk about statistics. Yeah. So it's done as the desperation grows, and I think as the desperation grows and the the, the film grows a little bit darker, you will then meant it's then meant to be all right. Well, in this, if the stakes at X is Y, okay. Well, if the stakes have now gone to two X, is two Y still okay? Well, he struggles. To, are they still? Are, are they still? Are the actions, <clears throat> are the actions and the consequences still equatable? It's basically the question.
1: Yeah. Well, he struggles to uh, recite the prayer before he continues, and when you think how freely did it at the start of the film shows that he has started to question his faith in the cinema. And I wonder now if you'll tell me how you were. The time when Viola Davis's character takes the bag off his head. People laughed in the cinema at how he looked. Yeah, I did as well. I thought, I thought you may. I thought I'd check. Um, well, you not. Know, what, what are you trying to insinuate? Well, a lot of people did. So I've just took it a lot more seriously. Juxtaposition yeah. runs the whole way through this film. And when I was at, when I was at, anything nice? Kind of coke. When I was at school, I never thought I'd You're use that about word now, outside fine. of Yeah, yeah, I would never thought I'd use that word outside an English lesson. So there we go. Mm. But you've got the contrast in what Keller fears is happening to his daughter and what he's doing to Alex, and that's so well done. Um, and I think it's especially well done as we still never veer from his side. Yeah,
0: the, the, the simultaneous abduction. In fact, it's a simultaneous, simultaneous in- abduction.
1: Well, I saw um, someone compare it and say that. He, he's basically torturing his daughter when you hear the story at the end of the film. Yeah. But it's literally the same thing.
0: Well, yeah, it's, it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is. But in, in the fact that they just kept, they kept one. Well,
1: yeah, and I very, think we also get where Viola Davis's character feels bad enough that she's seen it, but also tells her husband that they'll leave him to continue. Which? I think that's how a lot of people would be
0: and yeah, yeah. I do like you don't if my daughter, if so if I'm in that position, and tell I' telling Terrence Howard about well they if my daughter comes back, oh like, that's all good, but you don't want to see how the sausage is made do you? essentially
1: I, yeah, that's a good that's a an analogy actually. I thought they were trying to paint the two sides as well with the two families, like Keller was prepared to go out and get it done, whereas Franklin, Terence Howard's character was prepared to let the authorities do their work and hope for the best. And I think they're kind of asking, does that make him weak or less of a parent? Or is it just... I don't even... They're asking questions about, well, funny, is he any I... less because he's not prepared to go to these extents?
0: Yeah, for the purpose of the film, thats that is—that I think that is what they want you to think yes. of. But for the purpose of the film, neither Hugh Jackman nor Jake Gyllenhaal are responsible for his daughter coming home. No. He plays a bigger part in her coming home as those two, though. Yeah, which ultimately is probably all he, all he really gives a fuck about. Yeah,
1: it, it's a weird position to be in, isn't it? That you're almost hoping Alex has done something wrong. At the point when he's been tortured this much, it's like you better have made the right decision here. Um, the, and actually, I think the, the, ultimately the, Keller's abduction of Alex saves his daughter. And yeah, it does. Like, it's just, it's a horrible thing he did, but in the end, morbidly necessary. Um, well, that's
0: it, it? You, could, you probably reconcile. You could probably reconcile those choices.
1: Yeah, Holly's character admitted that she'd have left the girls in that pit if it had not been for the loneliness that she felt in Alex's absence. Mm-hmm. Joy would therefore not have escaped, and the following events that led to the ultimate resolution would have never happened. Yeah. Um, and I think the exploration of the grey area in this film is really the driving force across the entire two and a half hours. Um and I think it's done very well. Mm. <laughs> a question for you. Joy wakes up and is reunited with her parents. They immediately start questioning her. And yes. her parents and the nurses are looking at Keller and his wife like, come on, give her a bit of time. Is it not fair game? Like, look, you've got your I daughter so. back here. This is this is I think she can handle the couple of questions. I think so. Yeah.
0: Todd, like the whole film is about time.
1: <laughs> what kills me actually is Hugh Jackman enters the hospital and Terence Howard gives him a smirk like, come on, you got to be at least a little bit happy for me. Come on. I feel your pain here, but he looks up at Hugh and he taps his daughter's leg like, it's <laughs> good to be man. me right now. <laughs> yeah.
0: alright boy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's an open. I uh, I couldn't get Man of Fire out of my head whilst watching.
1: <laughs> Denzel would have got the job done a lot faster.
0: No, I actually thought after the first hour, I was like, "This is essentially Man on Fire." Okay, yeah, I get you. I get what you, I get your point. I know the kid had already. I know the kids had already gone mission, but where you don't see it, and as much as I don't think you need to see it, it leaves it does leave, it just leaves it building and building. I thought after the first half, I thought, Jesus Christ, anything that'll happen. <laughs>
1: um, I guess it's whether, and I've done it with films before, sometimes you just can't buy in. And I think if you've bought in, it's kind of like, if, if you watch Sicario and you don't care about it at all, it's, it's the same effect that really, the whole point, as you've just referenced, A Man on Fire is to make this second hour kick in so much harder because of what yeah. you've gone through in the first.
0: And I think that's that, that's what they do. That's what they they're making trying to you do desperate.
1: Here. Alongside,
0: mm.
1: um, the concept of justice is something we've spoken about already and ex- explored in this film. Like the thought that if Keller had done all that but got the information that it was the art the whole time, would that have made it okay? Or is it still wrong to torture Alex because ultimately? He has the Just, IQ of a ten-year-old, and
0: justification is subjective, mate.
1: Yes, I think that's, but that's the question they're kind of asking, isn't it? Like
0: Loki, it's um, a strange question to ask. It's a strange question to ask by way of film. I understand it's done because each it's done as the film is each, I and mean, as the ending is the audi- every each audience member can interpret it to themselves. But in terms it. of justice and his actions, it really is
1: Loki assaults the other suspect the other abducted child to the point that he shoots himself again. He's done wrong, but did he do wrong enough that this is how it levels out? One of the elements of the film, one of the, the themes running the whole way through it is the idea that put into stressful situations, everyone has the potential to turn into a monster. And ultimately like Keller's wife suppresses that by medicating it. We don't pattern. see enough from the sun the sun is just filled with anger just by the look on his face and i think he does a very good job in the small role that he has
0: i they, 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 to be honest man, I, I don't i don't think he particularly adds a lot to it uh,
1: i don't think he's he's kind of he's there to be to check he's there to check um Keller right near the end isn't he where he basically says i'm the one state like we've lost my sister, your daughter, but we've lost you at the same time. I'm the one here. I'm the one with all the pressure. I'm the one looking after mum. And he goes on to quite, be in 13 quite, Reasons it's, Why.
0: It's, as he doesn't know, obviously he doesn't know the full story, but for those watching the film, it's quite a shite barometer. Yeah.
1: Well, he, he goes on to be in 13 Reasons Why playing a pretty similar character, to be fair. Never seen it, on it? Um, another depressing watch. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it just kind of links back, as I said. Keller telling his son at the beginning, flood, hurricane, whatever it is, eventually people are going to turn on each other, and that's what we get here. Just the last bits before um, we move on. The other guy here goes on to play the polka dot man in Suicide Squad, by the way. So, you what? The guy that plays uh, the second abducted child. Mm. So the story... That he has here there were serial killers who kidnapped a bunch of kids over 16 of them yeah They'd take them put them in a room spike the drink and they were given an unsolvable maze if they figured he's it also,
0: out he's also in the dark Knight, by the way he's yes he there. is
1: yeah i wrote that he's a one of joker's henchmen isn't it he? yeah
0: he's the one who um
1: oh he's, the, the, he's the one who shoots the mail yes he is yes um Yeah, they're given these unsolvable mazes. If they figure it out, they'd be let go. If not, they were killed. And the maze man was one of the children that escaped. We don't know how, but he just becomes obsessed with finding out who kidnapped him. But something we get throughout with uh, Alex as well, the Spikes drink and the kind of experience of being kidnapped just messes them up mentally. Mm. Like he just knew that snakes and mazes were important. So when Ann and Joy are kidnapped, he knew that it was done by his original kidnappers, and he takes things from their room and tries to piece it together yeah. using this book that explained how they worked. Um, and then he kills himself ultimately when he realises that he just can't ever solve this problem. Yeah. Big question here. When the first two boxes were snakes, he could probably have made a fair assumption, don't you think? <laughs> first two? Well, that's both. I like brave from yeah. Well first what, one. Why doesn't he put the lid back on? It's my bigger
0: issue. Nope. I'm not touching it again. I'm not going anywhere back near a box full of snakes. I'm out of the room. I'm He's out of the room. I'm shutting the door. He makes the call for backup. That's someone else can do that.
1: Yeah. yeah. Not I know about the it. whole point is to show look, this is how desperate this guy is to get answers, but Can you wait ten minutes?
0: I don't think I don't want to make I don't want to make a sweeping statement. There's not a lot I'd be desperate for. <laughs>
1: where if you're like, oh, this is a box full of snakes. Not even two young girls that have been kidnapped.
0: I don't know if you want me to answer that.
1: <laughs> well, let's talk about um, Holly before the ending. So, Melissa Leo plays the character. She's just so effortlessly creepy. The the calmness to her inviting him into her house, playing along with his games. Like, also, she knows what he's trying to do, but she goes along with it.
0: Poor from Hugh Jackman not to have the gun more ready.
1: Well, They say one of the creepiest things while filming this is it wasn't in the script for her to say, drink a little bit more, big guy like you. They say it's the simplest thing. It's not really much in terms of what you've added to the script, but just her saying it in character, just off the cuff. They say it was just sending chills to people when they were on the set. and She's a great villain because... When, I'm not going to say she's the last one you'd expect, but anytime someone overcomes people with more than just brute strength, it just adds something a bit more to the character, doesn't it?
0: In this instance, mate, you don't suspect it because she's a woman.
1: Yeah. Well, and an old woman as well.
0: The, the, I think the age, the age matters less than the gender. And the size.
1: Is, yeah. If she was a bit like China, maybe we would be like, okay, fair play. But she's not. She's some little old lady. I mean, pre two
0: Jackman, targets have all been kids. So, exactly.
1: And that, yeah. She's very good in the small role that she has. Yeah. Yeah. I agreed. Would Jessica Chastain have been better or worse?
0: I think she could have. Done, I, I think she could have done better, but there's no, with what you get, there's no need. No. There's no, you're not, you're not left wondering, are you? No.
1: Now the ending of the film. So Fucking I'll ask you job. first, what's your interpretation of the ending? Because I, I thought mind. it was only one way. I don't like it, but no. But what do you what do you take as as happens? I assume he finds him, but okay. So it's interesting because I I've the four times I've seen it, I never saw it like that. You watched it four times. I watched it at the cinema. I watched it as soon oh, as it God. came out on DVD. I watched it at the start when we started doing this bracket. When I saw how far down it was, and I watched it here. My lord. I think it's a masterpiece. That's
0: ridiculous, but
1: okay. It's one of the few five-star rated films on my letterboxed
0: Masterpiece, that's what you want to say?
1: Yeah, genuinely. Yeah, that's awful. That's a bad take. Um, now, when, when, when I've seen it each time, I've seen it as he's stuck down there, Um that he's never discovered, and he just remains a missing person and dies. I took it that they tell
0: you they would have found they would have found him eventually
1: so yeah but i take i took it as them saying the ground's frozen over they're going to leave for the night and the thing i thought was so miserable and so helpless about it is that he hears the whistle but it's like okay i i don't know what that is so he's making the cry for help but nobody can attend to it and that was how i always saw it until this week when i was doing my notes for and i saw a post on maybe on Reddit, maybe something else, They basically said, I don't understand how anyone thinks this film ends without Loki finding him. As soon as he hears that whistle, everything we've seen from him throughout the rest of the film points to the fact that he will uncover this situation fairly quickly as soon as he hears the noise.
0: Not when he hears it the third time, the third or fourth time he stops. It's an unnatural sound. Yes. And there's no rhythm. There, there's no rhythm to it either, which is obviously for reason because you make it sound odd. If it's played in rhythm, you're more likely to play it off as something
1: else. Because um, in the hospital, he says you found your whistle, and she mm-hmm. says, "No, this is a new one."
0: Yeah, that 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 made me think at the end as well. That the whistle is a fairly, yeah, it's yeah. quite a unique sound.
1: It, it, I didn't think it fit in with the film. I thought it was supposed to be just the most miserable ending and it's almost like, well, you found the daughter but you lost your husband. So, are you happy? Like, how... Well,
0: the problem, my only issue, my only issue with that, mate, is no one cares about the mum.
1: No, but I, I mean, what well, you call it, okay, you've been found but your dad's now missing, whatever. I thought that was the <laughs> whole kind I, of... I think the
0: same The same issue feature. applies. actually applies to the daughters. Mm-hmm. They are... Watching it, <laughs> them being found or not, them actually being found or not, once the one comes back, the second daughter being found or not, is less impactful than the rest of the story and the actions that drive the two blokes. So your concern my concerns were with Jill Law and Hugh Jackman. I think yeah. he does get found and I think after the chat of look, if we if, if we if we find him he's going to jail. Yeah. I'd possibly argue that's a fate that's worse. You've done this for one reason only. And now you've you've done this to bring your family back together,
1: but he doesn't even know his daughter's been saved.
0: Yeah, so there is a. They'll you would be you are about to be deprived of all of that. I suppose you'd argue the insanity that would would probably ensue, knowing that you're trapped down there. Um, that that you're trapped
1: there. Um, I don't think he lasts long, bleeding out in the middle of winter.
0: No, I don't don't think he lasts too long, but I do think he'd find them.
1: Well, originally. He was never discovered by police. He'd have remained a missing person and dies. Now, mm. they filmed two endings. One was more of just an extended ending. So Villain Wave says, ultimately, the alternate ending would have undermined the film's core identity. Um So you've got the, the scene that we see, and then the extended one is Hall moving the car and rescuing him from the pit.
2: Mm.
1: But the whole way through the film, as we've touched on, Prisoners constructs the narrative in a way that we don't see, as we said at the start. We don't get that gratification shot. We see a narrative that frames Alex as guilty, despite never seeing him admit to kidnapping the girls or any definitive evidence to confirm him as a culprit. When Loki interrogates Alex, he frames his questions by kind of just posting these like hypothetical series of events, planting the idea of what happened in our minds and it's only right that the ending remained ambiguous here and just allowed us to determine how Loki rescued Dover and what their interaction entailed. And I'll be honest, I actually preferred the ending in my head when I took it that he was never he he died down there. He was helpless but seeing the director confirm no he finds him it took a little bit of the edge off for me.
0: I can't say the same because it just confirms my assumptions.
1: Honestly. Well, I thought it was, I text TK before I recorded today to say, how did you see the ending? Cause so I texted him while I was watching on Sunday and I forgot just how utterly miserable this ending is. And I said, well, what do you think? And I explained what I thought and he said, no, that's, that's what I think as well. So maybe there's more of a split out there than uh, people are admitting.
0: Maybe.
1: I guess uh, maybe we'll be the ones to determine that. You ever see those Twitter polls where it's like let's decide this once and for all Mm -hmm. and it's some page with 200 followers saying they're going to determine the Ronaldo-Messi debate. That's what Mm. we'll do for this film. Okay. Anyway let's move on to our second film of the day.
2: Mel Gibson's a cop who's a lethal weapon. Don't kill anybody.
0: Don't kill anybody. The risks don't scare him. I love this job. And his partner can't control him. You're going to have to trust me. Mel Gibson. Danny Glover. Lethal Weapon. Through? I haven't even started. Rated R. Sneak preview Saturday night.
1: Now Keenan, somewhat of a bonus here. There was actually a second TV spot and I think it does show you why they thought they had money with uh, mel gibson and uh, glover fairly early on hi i'm danny glover uh, and i'm Mel. Gibson. well that's not important right now but i want you to go and see my new hit movie leaf weapon i love this job and everybody. We- we- it. we- you know, it's my it pretty movie. movie
0: oh well, he's in it oh, oh, oh. Raj, meet you new partner yes danger again. excitement yeah, bad guys. And, uh, and good guys, beautiful yeah. guys. Mel Gibson, Danny Glover. Lethal Weapon. read it on. Now playing at a theatre near you.
1: So that's like something we see more now, where you sell a film by the actors involved. You, you know nothing about the film from that trailer.
0: No, and just by sound, it sounds fucking terrible. <laughs> but I assume the visual it's, of it is not bad.
1: It's the two of them, and they're sat in the front, row of the cinema and you've got the Mm. walkway between them and it's them turning and looking down the aisle talking to the camera and they're kind of their hands and they're like play fighting each other and they're just essentially look at what chemistry we have is basically the way they promote it Mm. but if you weren't aware Lethal Weapon is our second film the synopsis Two newly paired cops who are complete opposites must put aside their differences in order to catch a gang of drug smugglers. Same question as always, Keenan. May need a jingle for this in future. The critics' reviews. What do you think they thought of this one? They're banged. An enduring buddy film, brilliantly combining drama, comedy, adventure, bloodshed, machine gun showdowns in the middle of busy highways and excessive property destruction.
0: Before you read out the next review... It might be worth just clipping that review, and then like you can just play it for me, because I feel like that that those words right there is just basically every film that I've ever told you I liked. <laughs> and then like you can just put that in, and then oh maybe we monologue a little bit.
1: Machine gun showdowns.
0: Yeah, I mean, have I we had, we've rarely done a film with machine gun showdowns. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not I'm not involved.
1: That's, machine gun showdowns in the middle of busy highways. Are you just thinking of heat when you hear that? Heat, bad boys. Pretty, like me there's
0: a lot. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of films I like, mate. That that review is pretty much what I'm after in a film.
1: Excessive property destruction. That's what nerds you into Project X. I
0: do like a building, a, a building getting blown <laughs> up, or a car going through it.
1: Um, Gibson and Glover make a great team, as some of their early adventures are exciting. But the film runs out of gas as it turns into an extended chase sequence. Bad take. Thanks to a peculiar chemistry and a terrific script, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover lift this movie above mere TV cop fodder. Think
0: that's a compliment? Uh, To the actors more than the film,
1: yeah. (laughs) Uh,
0: uh, The premise is shit, but you two are good.
1: From a distance, Lethal Weapon might appear generic, but a closer look reveals something special. The pace never slows, the jokes never miss and the stunts never disappoint in this macho dream of an actioner. So there you go. The trivia and then we'll kind of go through some of the scenes. The opening scene that we get if you say everything you want in a scene I don't know if this is everything you want in an opening scene Uh, In a film, Everything You Want, an opening scene, we open with a topless prostitute in a room filled with cocaine jumping off a balcony.
0: Nothing screams the eight is more.
1: (laughs) Well, Jackie Swanson, who plays the role, she performed this stunt on her own, um, trained by uh, Dar Robinson, who was a legendary stuntman at the time. Mm. The way they shot this, the stunt was done using an airbag covered with a life-size painting of the driveway and cars like a foreground <laughs> kind it. of miniature that just visually blended uh, into the real scene from above yeah. so the editor is able to hold the shot until just as she makes contact with the airbag yeah, and then just transition it for greater realism yeah, I could nice. not believe it when I read that I like it though absolutely and I wonder how much she had to be talked into that because well they had a great fun doing that mm. Are you someone at Skate of Heights? You are, aren't you?
0: Yeah, I'm blocking
1: well. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not for you then. No. Mel Gibson turned down starring roles in The Fly and The Untouchables in order to do this movie.
0: Oh, I'm glad on all counts. Yeah.
1: Um, Mel Gibson and Bruce Willis were considered for each other's roles in Lethal Weapon and Die Hard, with both movies being produced by Joel Silver, who... I won't go through the whole background again, which we did when we did the last Boy Scouts. So if you mm-hmm. want to hear about him, basically go back there. Um, Willis was offered the role of Martin Riggs, but turned it down. And a year later, he does Die Hard. Good decision for him. Mel Gibson was considered to play John McClain alongside uh, Harrison Falls, Sylvester Stallone and uh, Arnie, but they all turned it down. And then as yeah. we did, the script for Die Hard with a Vengeance was briefly considered to be filmed as a Lethal Weapon sequel, so there's a big Mm. crossover with those films.
0: Yeah.
1: Gary Busey, a controversial figure these days. (laughs) On True Hollywood Story, he said he was hired to play Joshua because they were looking for someone big and menacing enough to be a believable foe for Mel Gibson, and he credits this film for reviving his failing movie career.
0: He He gets, um, Oh, I can't even remember what I,
1: don't even know what I was going to say. that. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll take you on and jump in when we get to Busey later, if you, if you remember. Okay. In, the, in the scene where Riggs is contemplating suicide, and this is very rash, there's an actual bullet blank in the chamber which Mel Gibson was pointing at his head, thinking it would allow for a greater sense of portraying the scene realistically and dramatically. Well, as we've recently seen with Alec Baldwin... Bullet blanks don't fire live rounds, but the ejection of air and the debris from the gun barrel can have what can fatally injure you if shot at very close range. None more so than if the gun is pointed at your head or in your mouth.
0: Yeah, but people didn't know that then, did they? No, (laughs) Mark
1: Gibson's a maniac. Not the last news. I was going to say we, we we found that out for a host of different reasons. Ever more so than that trailer for Apocalypto.
0: Sensational. (laughs) Uh, So good.
1: Something that caught me off guard, Danny Glover's only 14 years older than his on-screen daughter in this film.
0: Yeah, he's not very old in this at
1: all. I thought she looked well young.
0: Mm Hmm. Joey's 10 years older than Gibson.
1: I I know that they were both slightly offended by the fact they are playing characters roughly 10 years older than their actual ages. Yeah. Yeah. I did think when I was watching it uh, last night, probably could have saved this one and hustled you into a Christmas special doing this film. Uh, no, you couldn't have. Well, I just wouldn't have explained that it was a Christmas film. But
0: but you would have, we would have got so far in. I would have <laughs> got in quite a bad mood and then I wouldn't have said anything for an hour and you'd have been doing a pot on your own. Why?
1: Why? Is Die Hard considered a Christmas film and not this one? Because this one is far more, more Christmas offensively Christmas. Yeah, I know, yeah.
0: I, I don't know, to be honest. I think this is funnier, and I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Do you think it's weird? Maybe it's because it's... This sounds weird. Die Hard's considered a Christmas film by... No, they kind no, of fell friends.
1: into it, didn't they? By
0: Mainly by fucking idiots like me. Who were like, oh, no, don't really do Christmas films, but Die Hard, hey...
1: Um, you did the Dard pod when we did it, didn't you? Was it just me, Sean, and T.K.? I can't remember. What Talking about Ellis, cannot remember. I don't think I did, you know. No, I think he was up against something like the night before, so you probably didn't. Um,
0: did you do? You did it. We, we've only ever done it in a in a Christmas concert. Yeah, is that yeah. Right? We yeah, did no, Dard
1: three as a general one. Oh uh,
0: no, right. No, I didn't do any of those
1: Christmas ones. Um, is it even stranger to you that? they released it in March because surely if you're including this much Christmas stuff, you bang a bit more on the trailer and you release it in December.
0: I don't, I'm not sure that would not have made too much difference, mate. This I is reckon. your target.
1: This is the no, only one that guess, grossed yeah. under 100 million.
0: Do you think for the target audience they're going for, do you think Christmas is really going to push that
1: that much higher? I reckon you put, I think you can overlay jingle bells over some explosions and you will reel in a whole lot of people. I, I'm not sure of that. Sure, it just seems an interesting choice. I thought if you're kind of going in with the Christmas stuff, then go in with the Christmas stuff.
0: I get, I get what you're saying. I don't think, I don't think it would have. I don't think it would have propelled this to.
1: No, no, no. I wouldn't have made a huge difference. I think it would have made a difference though, mm. and probably gets you more in the um, licensing down the line with people putting it on TV as a Christmas film. The amount of money Dard makes every year is astounding.
0: They didn't fucking know that when they made it, did they?
1: No, but just having a Christmas film, if you think, if you're confident in your product, maybe they'd get me on board in future because there's a real lack of Christmas films these days.
0: Some would say for a good reason.
1: (laughs) I'm sure they would. Um, So we've done the opening scene with her uh, jumping off the top of the building the combination of mel gibson and danny glover i saw this described as almost like putting a whole host of actors names into a randomizer machine at the time and you take these two out like there was nothing that previously pointed towards coupling these two as a pet, as as, a, as an item as a buddy cop
0: no i don't know oh. If I'm honest, but I'm not sure what would have what what you what would point point towards that.
1: No, it's just like you've got Danny Glover, who isn't really a star yet at this point. He's 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 famous, but he's not famous. Mel Gibson is kind of looking for to become a blockbuster guy, and this—I mean—you get four films out of this. You do. They say they were so confident. It was one of those things where once it was discussed in the studio, it was like, oh, we're going with this. We're yes. going to go all in. And they fly out Gibson from Australia. They fly out Clover from somewhere in America that he was doing something else. And they just get them together for a table read. And they say, within about an hour, just... The additional uh, laughs, innuendos, just everything—everything everything you could hope for—to kind of showcase their chemistry. They were yeah. showing you. Nice,
0: yeah. It is easy, easy. You said, see, you get. In fairness, you you get three, you get three good films out of this.
1: I've only seen the first one.
0: Ah, uh, give number two. Number two is good.
1: I've heard it's the best.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, some would say the best.
1: Bring Pesci in, don't they?
0: Yeah, he's Leo Getz. Sensational.
1: When um, when did you watch this for the first time, and under what guise did you watch it? Mom and Dad really
0: liked it, and I watched
1: it when I was a kid. So, as a kid. <laughs>
0: hey, look, what do you want me to say?
1: That you My- watching Barney the Dinosaur and not Good Fellas. I...
0: I don't, know what you want me to, I don't know what you want me to tell you. To be fair, good good fellas I watched against their express permissions. Lethal Weapon, yeah, I actually watched with my dad. They both really liked it.
1: Mm. Yeah, I was reeled into this one by <laughs> yeah. my dad. And yeah. I think I may have said before, I essentially watched Die Hard. I got the box set for Christmas one year. I think maybe in the same year I got a dark box set. My brother got a Rocky one, and we did that on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. And I told my dad that I'd seen it and liked it. And he basically said, oh, if you like Die Hard, then watch this. Nice. And it actually, I didn't like Lethal Weapon the first time I watched it. I don't know if I was comparing the two too closely. Mm. Um If it was that my dad had told me, I think it's better than Die Hard. And so I was even had them kind of competing from then. Yeah. But I, I couldn't get into it. And not that you're ever going to listen to this, my, my dad was so enthusiastic while watching it. Like if you've ever got someone to listen to a song and you kind of sit there looking at them, waiting for their reaction. And there was just so much pressure on liking it that I just didn't. And I only gave it a rewatch last Christmas. Mm. And it was like it was a different film.
0: Almost like almost like uh, some of the instances we've had on the pod, though. Strange. Well,
1: as as we've said on here, I like recommending films. If when a short recommends a film to you, that that bears no issue. So we can It's put the way that, it's done. We you, can put that you, out the window.
0: You get in my you get in my head.
1: Whereas Look. I have to have about six weeks of you telling me. Oh, I mean, you're not going to like it. You're not going to like it. I'm, I'm yet like, to
0: let. I'm yet to like. I'm yet to let you down.
1: Well, if you set the bar on the floor, if I told you Prisoners were shit, you'd probably come on here this week saying, oh, not so bad, actually. Better than I thought.
0: Well, when you're thrown around terms like Masterpiece, what do you
1: want Afterwards, from and I stand by that.
0: Well, the only way was down when you're like, oh, I love this. It never boded well for Prisoners when I, confi- I confused it with a minimum of three other films.
1: Well, yeah, well, you bet. every time I mention it, you're like, I think I might have seen it. Oh, it turns
0: out, by the way, because I never actually answered your question. No, I've never seen it before.
1: Well, I think maybe the big screen would have changed your mind. Maybe. Back to Mel Gibson, though. um, Talking
0: of people who are erratic.
1: Yeah. The early scenes with him being particularly crazy are the highlight of this film. Mm. Uh, I actually think if... Tell me I'm wrong. If you say to someone, think of Lethal Weapon, you probably think of the scene with him on the roof, convincing the guy how crazy he is and jumping off with him.
0: Uh, throughout the series, I always think of Danny, Danny Glover on the shit with a bomb underneath him.
1: One of the, the first one that I mean, we'll get to favourite scene, I guess, but mm. that feels at least like the one it's, it's, uh, yeah, probably maybe the most iconic scene in the first that
0: the, the helicopter always springs to mind as well.
1: Yeah, they do go all out with this. Um, yeah. Like Michael Bay before Michael Bay. Mm. Um, so yeah we get this introduction with him the recent death of his wife um and he's become suicidal and erratic and there's the protests of the police psychiatrist the captain believes that Riggs is faking it as he wants to be forcibly retired with a generous pension and so he puts him with a fellow war veteran and a homicide sergeant what a wild HR this is by the way it was You're the suicidal, 80s. are you? Prove it.
0: Yeah, it was the eighties. Look, you do what you got to do. <laughs>
1: Let's do what you got to do, and there's going. I'm not sure you are suicidal, you know.
0: Well, it's one of them. There is. A, there's only one way to really find out, in there. Yeah. Fuck around. and am not just. I'm just saying in the film world for the record.
1: You know I mean? yeah. I saw. Uh, I saw a clip of some teacher today today on twitter drawing a graph showing the correlation between fuck around and find out and he's doing the lines and everything and just turning to his class like it's the most serious thing in the world i actually didn't send you the video i quoted on monday's podcast of a chicken having a haircut
0: do i need to say
1: it? i've been laughing at it since last saturday okay fair enough I if you get the time it's got his eyes shut and everything like proper properly in uh enjoying the trim. It says Bro's getting ready for an interview at KFC. <laughs> it's so good so good. Um And yeah, we get this back and forth, don't we? The the standard buddy cop introduction of these two guys hate each other, I mean they do it far more in your face in Step Brothers. It's that kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, these guys hate each other until they find out maybe they have more in common than we know.
0: Yeah, it's the old, it's the old couple thing, isn't it? Yeah,
1: Mel Gibson simply uh, kind of extending his eyes, widening his eyes goes a long way in this film. That's like his. I'm crazy. Look, he's like, he's, I'm not blinking here.
0: He uh, he he's dined out on that for a very long time. <laughs> yeah,
1: he's a. What do you want to hear, man? Do you want to hear that sometimes I think about eating a bullet? I even got a special bullet for the occasion with a hollow point that this is classic eighties, nineties monologue stuff with the, what do you want to hear, man? Do you want to hear that this, that my life's in ruins? What well, it is. This is absolutely what it is. He's eight mile in him. Mm. And it works. Um, it does. It works almost every time. You know why I don't do it? The job doing the job. Now That's the reason. What do you think of the choice to open the film with Glover over Gibson? I love it. Because initially the scene in where we get uh Riggs buying the drugs mm-hmm. that he's trying to give a hundred dollars, a hundred thousand. Yeah. Was going to be him in a bar and he busts someone in the bar, they have this big bar fight, he takes out six guys. And then the guy from behind the bar gives him a bottle and says, take whatever you want. Just don't come back here again. And that was going to be the opening. Mm -hmm. And they said that actually set out the wrong soul for the message. It was actually so much more important to show this family man before who's kind of, he likes being a cop, but look, this is what comes first rather than your usual macho. I go to, I go to work every day, you know, and I can die on the job and I accept that, this and that.
0: I think if you open with Gibson and then go to Danny Glover, you take the you take the pace out of it. You yeah, you set it's... it, you wind it up and then you stop it when you should let it go.
1: And you're probably you spending think... the scene wanting to get back to the other guy.
0: Yeah, and then you yeah, as I sit and then you lose you probably lose a lot of interest in Murtaugh, where just sensational character. Great I'm... acting.
1: I may watch a but... second tonight.
0: May I give it honestly give it a roll,
1: let me know what you think. I might do the same, see we And we get this uh back and forth, don't we, with he needs to show him that he can trust him. Yeah. And as a wild sentence to read, they go to question a pimp, they find the drugs on the premises, and eventually Riggs has to kill him to save Murtagh's life. Mm-hmm. This is just classic because it's not a comedy, this film is it? And buddy cop isn't really. There's, I mean, I've seen this said elsewhere, but there's buddy cop comedies and there's buddy cop films, and yeah, um, you're supposed to take this semi-seriously.
0: Yeah, I think they lean they lean into the comedy uh, as the series goes on. Yeah, I think, that's uh, what I've read. People take away the chat and the banter and stuff. Yes, the set pieces are cool. The action the action's cool, um, but people remember rigs and murder.
1: Also, they're Amazing. they're working out what people like in this, aren't they? So American yeah. Pie two, we get more stiffler because they realise that's what we like. And yeah. I've not seen it, but I guess you probably get more wisecracks in the second one because
0: you do. Yeah, still... P- Pesci coming in definitely contributes and stuff. But I think because I think if you end up with a different two in this, this could be a very. This could have just been a serious film.
1: Something that they point to is. This wasn't one of those, and we get it when we do the casting, what ifs, don't we? And you can get, say, Will Smith's been cast, and they were also looking at Denzel and Samuel L. Jackson. Mm. And it's basically like, who was the most high-profile prof- high black actor we could get in this role? Yeah. They weren't recruiting for a white guy and a black guy, two white guys, two black guys in this. It was basically just the two best people we could fit together.
0: Yeah. And – To be honest you, it was probably the two best people it- – it's the two best people we can get that we can fit together.
1: Yeah, and that's what it did and yeah. obviously cash money. Yeah, but there's something
0: There's so many times we talk about it though, about oh, it's just a high profile. Big players don't always make good teams.
1: No. Nope.
0: Do you know what I mean? There's been a lot of failed Galacticos.
1: Nice. Thomas Gravison. <laughs>
0: But this... but there have been, there like, and yeah. it doesn't always. If especially in a film, if it's an ensemble, look at Free Fire. We talked about that. Yeah. Big name, big names. Yeah. Like a big, big cast could have been brilliant, but there was something they did something a little bit off. Whereas in this, if especially in when it's a two, the, the chemistry either has to be has to be good to be awful if that's what you want. Well the chemistry's got to be bang on on it. And just throwing mm. two names together, you, you're not necessarily... They can both put in really solid jobs and really good acting performers, but you don't... There'd be no love for them.
1: We, we read when we've done a couple of Jim Carrey films, and I think The Mask was a big one for this, mm. that he would go into films trying to find catchphrases. And the whole yeah. way through, it was like, this is going to be the one people are going to quote afterwards. Mm-hmm. Do you think I'm Too Old For This Shit is one that they envisioned, envisioned being that, no, or it was just something they thought was a funny line at the time and it caught on.
0: I don't, uh, I he said it twice know. in this one. He does, he says it a little bit more. I think after number one, I think, yeah, they 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 lean,
1: yeah, because they say people were misquoting it anyway and they kept doing that. I'm getting too old for this shit when he actually mm-hmm. just says I'm too old for this shit,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. And I think I don't know necessarily. I don't know. I don't think that that was the angle. I think the second time he says it, I think it's more of a callback. Yeah. To earlier in the film rather than eh, eh, That's the one.
1: Yeah. We we've used the analogy, haven't we? If, uh, if they're trying to make it like you pull the string on his back and he's got yeah. three lines, he's going yeah. to keep saying, and it's whether they thought it was that, because I've got to think if they were looking for something, I think they probably would have done something more creative than something it I mean, it's simple and it works well. But just the rest of the film, with how kind of wisecracky it is, mm-hmm. this is a bit uh, dumbed down for that. And I think maybe they would have looked for something a bit different.
0: possibly like I say, if she says it the first time and it's almost a throwaway. It's supposed to be like yeah. haha, um, And then the second time, it is like it's a throwback to that first time and the earlier yeah. scene in the film. More than, or at least I thought it was.
1: Yeah. Um, so we've got gunshots here. Then we get. What do we get first? So we get does the house blow up first or does the sniper take out um I forget his name? Uh, you know what I mean, the guy who served in Vietnam with him. Which one's first, the house blowing up or the sniper? They go to his house first, don't they? And the sniper takes him out. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Cool, with the bullet going through the milk carton as well. Yes, it is. And this is where we start piecing the story together. This this almost, I mean, IMDB have their little uh, categories, don't they? And as I've referenced for Blonde. Yeah. The amount they mention Vietnam in this, you could put Vietnam down as one of the categories. <laughs> it very much is. These guys got their kind of, they are how they are because of the time they served in Vietnam. Yeah. your villains were because of what happens to them in Vietnam, like the whole thing it's very driven by Vietnam
0: yeah I think it's, I genuinely because I realise who I'm talking to, I hope you're of the agreement with me that that is more because it's an easy focal point rather than any political message they're trying to convey
1: yeah for sure, I actually Thank it God. always gets me how soon they're almost it's not making jokes is it but Using it as a reference point in films, you usually wait a bit longer. <laughs>
0: um, I mean this isn't the first film about Vietnam that, that's come out. No, no, that's what I point. mean. It just yeah. when I
1: even look back, that surprises me.
0: Yeah. Well I mean Ken Burns did the did Ken Burns Vietnam? Yeah, Ken Burns did the Vietnam thing, didn't he? Um and I know that's not a film or satirical or anything, that's just, just is what it is, but I do think that changed that opened it up I think a lot more than than it would have done otherwise.
1: So with this, we have that helicopter kind of being out of the air with how low it goes. Class. Always looks cool in films. It looks like, okay, we can see where your budget's going here. And just the types of gun they use in this. Everything is big, isn't it? There's mm-hmm. no... Uh... Mate, it's so is It's fucking great. Because I think the initial... Whenever he's putting a gun in his mouth, it's a little pistol. But after yeah. that, it's like we're going big here the whole rest of the way.
0: Your submachine guns and assault
1: rifles and <laughs> fucking everything. But then we do get the the house exploding as they arrive. Um, Dixie's corpse is later recovered, um, but they spot this uh, switch among the debris, which points to the fact that the CIA are involved. Yeah. And then the kid, and this is a good scene with him. Them sending him for ice cream, and I think that's the only comment that I have to imagine was added to the script after they cast Danny Glover because the kid says something, doesn't he, about um the police and black people? Yeah. And he laughs along with it. And it's like, so that's the only real reference they have the whole way through. But I think the buddy cop angle peaks when they're having uh, dinner together. At yes, Murtaugh's house.
0: Yeah, it does, yeah.
1: Because we spoke about it with Midnight Run, and we said that sometimes the actual action scenes, they're almost a hindrance, because all we want to see is these two guys just going back and forth.
0: Yeah, and that's, that's probably the biggest compliment you can pay this film, man.
1: And so this is the equivalent, isn't it, with them at the table? What just when you can yeah. see them, just like bar for bar.
0: Yeah, and it's probably the biggest compliment you could you can give this film because like the action scenes are important and they are there, but ultimately it's about the two fellas and,
2: and
0: the yes. fact that the fact that you you'd cut a shoot out and just have them going at going going at each other for another five minutes is
1: well, when it was when it was written, Joel Silver wrote it, and it's supposedly really really dark, thought Shane black, Roger. He, I think he wrote the initial story and then it's adapted. There's something Joel Silver does something in this, maybe like maybe I'm quoting Joel Silver from the previous one.
0: I think I thought Shane Black wrote this because he sold and he sold because he sold it and he made, yeah, you are told. correct
1: because he does <laughs> kiss, kiss, bang, bang after, yeah, um, he
0: sold it for a shitload of money in the 80s for uh, the equipment
1: 250 grand, I think it was. Um, so twice the writers, tonight, huh, twice tonight, I've done you. Didn't get Terence Howard wrong this time, so... I was
0: waiting for it. Right, <laughs> so um, the only reason I named dropped him, just to see if he would.
1: So it was originally far darker. Yes, yes it And was. it was going to be like the killing at the end. They have him poking his thumbs through his eyes and his fingers into his brain. hmm And all of this, and it just feels like... For I one, think- they realise this is just never going to be a commercially viable film don't know if, know if it's the still the
0: case, but I was just it. Going, to say, so I was going to say, I think at some point for quite a while, the original script was just chilling online, so you can't just go and read it.
1: I know they've been quite vocal about it, because they say they were quite irked by uh, the rewrites, because the same guys wrote the second film, and again, they bring the same person on to rewrite it. Mm. Well... But- that's what they do, yeah. Um, yeah, you are. Shame as uh, Joe uh, Glover must have been doing the production. Um, yeah, Jeffrey Boehm is the guy that's brought on board to do the rewrites. Huh.
0: I mean, surely he's your—he's the most annoyed because I presume they're not paying him 250k for rewrites. He's actually uncredited, so <laughs> Jesus. And they bring him back for number two and he does the exact same thing,
1: yeah. Yeah, scandalous. Yeah, they essentially they kept asking Shane Black to just rewrite certain scenes, mm. and every time it came back, they say it was just still too dark for their liking. Yes, yeah. so they bring on Boehm for some uncredited rewriting. He adds the humour into the script, changes some parts, um, and essentially just lightens it up a bit. Yeah. But then when it comes to, when it comes to I think it's the third film where Bohm says by the end of it the initial script was actually better. Hmm. But they had to they had to make some compromises.
0: Yeah. Well, fair
1: enough. Um, yes, not a bad job because I mean Shane Shane Black's still getting big cash.
0: You'd imagine so.
1: And I think we did this when we did the last Boy Scout. It almost became some like competitive between the studios for like the rates they were paying for yeah, these scripts yeah. and you get it. And it's why boxing's got the way it is because the, the promoters were almost competing to say, look how much money I have. Look how much money I can pay my fighters. Yeah. And they did this here when they're just trying and we did it with Jurassic Park as well, didn't we? The the amount they paid for that before the yeah. book was even written. And it's just so competitive when you've got these same guys just like measuring their dicks at when they have no involvement. They're not even the main guys who, unless you're in the industry, you don't even know their names.
0: Yeah. Very true.
1: And yet it contributes so much. Um, obviously works well because if you do have this and it's, and it's darker, you probably you maybe cast Mel Gibson. Do you still cast Danny Glover?
0: I, 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 he is in films that are a lot darker than this but is he a go-to maybe not because obviously if you take away some of the humour their relationship has to their relationship yeah. has to change and you might need someone else so yeah you, you might move you might even move both of them at this point
1: yeah what I was saying with the writing I think that's so good is even just in this dinner scene they tee up several times like for him to make a joke about his wife's cooking Mm. And he declines it twice, and then he says, "What the hell? Thin's my middle name." And he said, "With your wife's cooking, I'm not surprised."
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. at that point, I think he just said, "Do you really like my wife's cooking?" And he just mm. smirks, like, "No," because that's that's a that's a no go, isn't it? You don't criticize, like, you don't start
0: digging out a man's wife. No.
1: <laughs> no, especially not when they've they've fed you. You're, uh... and so just just these little subtleties that you can take that, and then. If you're going to give us some explosions as well, then look who are we to who are we to say no? Mm,
0: No, very fair.
1: Because the scene when I think it's like, okay, if you had to check where most of the budget went, you've got the scene where you have Riggs at range after he's faked his death with a sniper. You've got a grenade being thrown. You've got a standoff with four cars. A helicopter overhead. Yes. A car chase. Mm hmm. <laughs> multiple explosions. Yep. As you said, it's like, okay, what makes a good action film? Tick, tick. It's meant it
0: It's like, settled in to watch it this week for the pod. I was genuinely happy.
1: Well, it's one of them where I feel like if I'd looked hard enough, we'd have seen a review that would have described it negatively as formulaic. I
0: think this might have been pretty the formula mate.
1: But even then, it's not, like, this isn't an issue. Like, this is what you tune in to see in an action film. No, no,
0: no. I'll I'll go go out to bat for it. Popcorn cinema and shit, I'll go out to bat for it.
1: People say it with, like, the Fast and Furious films, it's pretty formulaic. Well, at this point, when they're on their 10th one, it Mm -hmm. literally is formulaic. Like, that is literally the point. Yeah,
0: like, I... Said it many times before, and I'm sure I'll say it many times again. I've got no issue with it whatsoever. In fact, I would argue that I love it.
1: Yeah. Um. The final, the final fight. took... Do
0: yeah. um, you just fart? No. I, I genuinely, I moved <laughs> over in bed. I had to take. I, I had to unplug my phone.
1: The 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 final scene with the fight. Was shot over four days because they, they figured it was a good idea and they thought this was something you'd notice afterwards. They taught both Busey and Gibson four different forms of martial arts. <laughs> and so they say that this, this fight is portioned down into four different kinds and they taught them, I think it was jujitsu, capoeira and all this other stuff. And they thought the capoeira was this new thing that was really going to like take it by storm, and it was all this like stuff that you've never seen. Yeah, and and it—I mean, it just looks like a pretty standard. Turns out Gary
0: Gary at fucking six foot five and two hundred and twelve pounds, isn't great at dance fighting. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's baffling. Should we ask questions of Mirta? Like, look, he may not appreciate it, but. If there's two of you and one of him, back your boy. Correct.
0: Don't even have to do a lot. Just throw a couple of little slide leg kicks or a little knee.
1: I know um I think it's Dave and it maybe it's uh some freestyle he did over in America. But he says in there, um what the fuck's a one on one fight and punch to punch. You know, it's essentially I'll boot you in the face. We won't we aren't doing this. And that's effectively mm. what is going on here. He's chucking him weapons. Yeah, When he's being decked. <laughs> Just get in there. Mm-hmm. This isn't end of watch where he's gone, look, one on one. If you, I won't arrest you if you can beat me. It's
0: an unbelievable scene that, by the way. Yeah.
1: But this isn't that. <laughs> this is like He's been running this illegal operation through Vietnam supplying drugs across um what LA mm. Several people have been killed, more have been tortured, being electrocuted by the way. Um and he's going, Oh well, come on, one on one. It's only fair. What the <laughs> hell is he playing at? Dunno. Especially is in the standoff, it's like six on two, isn't, yeah, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? Um there's no issue there. I'm not looking at him as being any less of a good guy if the two get involved. Like in the raid where they team up against Mad Dog. Correct. Yeah, yeah, this guy is a freak of nature. It's going to take two of us to take him down. Yep. (laughs) It also feels like the whole thing with him being electrocuted was a big setup to have Mel Gibson topless fighting in the rain at the end. It could well be. And as you always say, look, give me that if you're going to give me a dramatic fight in the street at least make it rain
0: you do love a fight in the rain don't you
1: not like 50 cent star making it rain well, that would be a great uh, final scene if Murtars just <laughs> <laughs> just
0: throw it throwing dollar yeah. bills at him
1: Um, and then they have the same thing at the end don't they where like at the start of the film the guy breaks free gets a gun mm-hmm. and uh, they have to return fire Yep. and kill Busey. Maybe you can tell me was was Busey seen as such a weirdo at the time, or did that just kick in over?
0: No, I I, I think that's that's just been that's yeah. Been I but,
1: find it hard to believe he was ever like considered like a, I, I, I I think
0: more people have have worked into it, so it's become a bigger thing. But I feel like it was just there forever.
1: Because in Point Break, isn't it where it's like. Is this guy like just playing a weirdo, or what's
0: Is going he, on here? Yeah, yeah. And then ten, fifteen years later, he's in entourage and he's just fully <laughs> playing. He's <just laughs> fully playing him out outside of his mind.
1: Yeah. Um, anything to add before we do the judging?
0: No, 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 go. All right.
1: Okay. Which of these films did you prefer? Uh, Lethal Weapon. I prefer Prisoners. Yeah. Which do you think is more rewatchable? Lethal Weapon. I agree. Best moment slash scene?
0: It's either Jake or driving to the hospital. Okay. Or it's you man showing up in the helicopter and leave a weapon. <laughs> Take people out. And it is the helicopter scene. You I can't think... tell me if someone shows up to kill someone in a helicopter, you're not excited.
1: I mean I'd be excited for sure. I I think it's um sounds quite dark actually. Um when he takes Franklin to see what he's got there for the first time i they mm. have to torture him.
0: That's a little bit longer than that scene, though. But
1: well, no, he brings him in, and then they torture him almost immediately once he's come in. He says, "What mm-hmm. the hell?" And then the next thing you see is uh, him hammering away.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Best quote. On
0: twelve for the shit.
1: I agree, it's lethal weapon, but I think it's uh, when he flips it around on the guy that's on the roof. Okay. saying, we're going to jump, we're going to jump, you're going to kill it. Yeah. cop, you're going to be a yeah. cop killer. And, I mean, I did take his point by the end. I'm not sure what the issue was. He got him down, he got him down safely. Correct. MVP. Loki. I agree. Best side character. It's Paul Dunham. Yeah, that's probably fair. I was trying to think if it could be anywhere. I do think um, Holly does a great job, but I guess Dano does a bit more. Mm-hmm. Believability.
0: Um,
1: Prisoners. I agree. I think it's more far-fetched, but it's shot and told in a more believable way.
0: Yeah. I also feel like there's less people flying around LA trying <laughs> to kill people in <laughs> helicopters.
1: Um. Best soundtrack? Lethal Weapon. Agreed. Originality?
0: <laughs> prisoners, but more for the way it's shot than the concept.
1: Okay. Because
0: this I... is. A, prisoners could just be a mold of Gone Baby Gone and Taken.
1: Mystic River, I saw it compared to, and Seven. Seven, yeah, fair. In a way, it's, yeah, it's a very Fincher-esque,
0: I will give you. Mystic River, I don't know what that is.
1: I've not seen it, but I know what it is. No. Um, Bigger impact? Lethal Weapon. Agreed. Best opening scene?
0: Lethal Weapon. I agree. Best ending? Also Lethal Weapon, because I don't
1: like the ending of Prisoners. I, I think the ending of uh, Prisoners. Hmm. And best chemistry. <laughs> lethal Weapon. I agree. Depressing though. Six four. Go on.
0: No, that's why I chuckled. because so I thought if this is close, that's that's probably the worst question for you to answer.
1: <laughs> no, no. Six six four in the end for um, Lethal Weapon. A couple of films I like have gone out. I only saw it was still this bracket that Uncut Gems went out. Long way, long way away. Um, so yeah, that is lethal weapon goes through to the next round, six four. I'll have seen the sequel by the time uh, one of the sequels, at least, before we uh, get through to this next round. Next week, it's another big week, and it's uh, two big weeks actually. Next week is Gone Girl, you've just mentioned Fincher versus the big short. Seen both of those, yeah. What was that noise? Just a long old week, mate. <laughs> just,
0: just, uh, I just love a little 2 two ninety 90-minute flicks.
1: You and Goff can talk about watching it in the cinema in Australia. That's why he's here next week. He fucking loves that film, doesn't he? <laughs> well, he said he was for the big shot. He didn't know it was Gone Girl. I'm surprised he likes the big shot. Maybe he wants to see Margot in the bath again. Hmm. <laughs> So that's what, and then it's Reservoir Dogs against a Bronx tail. So oh, week, uh, the hits just keep on coming. Thank you for listening. We'll be back. Goodbye.